every time. I'm just waiting for you to pull up a high win like six shooter. Thomas Belukas, co-founder of Luke's Brewery from Montreal, Canada. My friend since 1990. Something like that. Yeah. Nice to see you. Early 90s. My first friend. First friend. How you doing, man? Pretty good. And you? I'm pretty damn good. I'm pretty damn good. Let's do the fade, you know? Yeah. See, it's fading out because this is a professional podcast. Oh, it's the most professional. Yeah. Joe Rogan ain't got shit on this. Uh, I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but sure, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Well, he, he has a team. Like, he has young Jamie. He, yeah. You know who's doing the camera back and forth, switching? Yeah. He's managing this. But this is a lean operation. As yeah. you know, when you're starting a business, you got to start at lean. Lean is mean. Man. Well, or else, first of all, you don't have the knowledge... Even if you were given $5 million to start your operation, you'd blow it because you don't even know what to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. There was, like, starting the brewery, there was so many times that we spent money on things that we thought we needed and turns out didn't help us in any way. Yeah, and then you're, like, you're like shopping for those things and you're like, yeah, I, I do need, the like, the deluxe uh, mega mode. Yeah. But, and you don't even fucking use that thing. And you pay, you know? Because you made me use it once and then yeah. just sitting collecting dust. It just sucks. <laughs> so you, my friend, are a... Uh, you're a businessman. You're a, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You started a business. Yeah. Why don't you tell the the trillions in the Galactic Federation All right. what you did to uh, start your business or what inspired you? Um, so to make a very long story short, um, I was a home brewer before we started the brewery. Um, and I was just having fun playing around with different ex- ingredients and styles of beer. And... To be honest, one day I was brewing a batch and my brother turns to me and says, why don't we do this? You know, so I got the idea. I started looking online and crunching numbers with my limited math skills. And um, we just saw that there was an opportunity to to kind of hit the market with a new outlook for breweries or microbreweries. Um, and we took it and we started developing recipes and trying to like ask our friends like which one of these recipes would be the better one um and then it just like we just went for it you know like there was there's only so much planning that we were able to accomplish before it's just like you know we have to pull the trigger on this and go forward and like really just you know just get her spa- going yeah like rent the space um once we basically incorporated and then rented a space. It was like, okay, we're in this now. There's no going back, you know, like it's yeah. a do or die kind of thing. So that's the beautiful part of it. Yeah. It's, it's both s- scary in a sense because like we knew no one else in the industry to kind of help guide us, right? We've had you, for instance, or my parents who've owned restaurants give us pointers about running a business or starting one. But to actually know what the, let's say, the beer brewing industry is like um we didn't have any guidance at all so we were going in this like with a very optimistic and open mind and reality hits us pretty quickly yeah but i I think that's important to have that optimistic outlook that naive that naivete because if no one had the naivete to go into it no one would go into anything yeah so it gave you enough juice and gusto to get started exactly and then it's really in the words of Dave Rose, you, you build the plane on the way down. Obviously, he didn't make up that quote, but he uses it. <laughs> yeah. You build up you build the plane when you're falling off the cliff. 
Yeah. And and that's really all it is. Yeah. It, you just have to have the faith in yourself that you can do it. Just bring up the mic a little closer so that, yeah, there we go. So it's nice and crisp. Yeah. And uh, and you're doing it, and I've, I've been watching it. I used yeah. to come over on Saturdays yeah. and see you see you in the garage. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I used to brew in my parents' garage. Yeah, try some of your beer. Even then, I wasn't even really drinking beer, so I'd only take a sip. I yeah. still don't drink very much. You're the only beer I drink. This and Guinness. Yeah. And I'll have, like, two Guinness a year. <laughs> Unless yeah. I'm, in, I'm in, like... I don't know, Ireland on tour <laughs> with opening for Liam Gallagher. And he's like, yo, you want to go get fucked up and drink 15 Guinness? I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, you, you let one um, in Rome, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a lot more uh, uh, relaxed because yeah. now I understand the stuff. I can flow yeah. better than just being. But at the beginning, you know, I was just learning. But long story short, I was drinking those fucking beers in your garage. Yeah. Thinking up my parent, the neighborhood, brewing beer. People like our neighbors will walk by like, oh, what are you doing? Cooking corn? And it's like, no, I'm making beer so yeah isn't it funny how people come around they're snooping around they're like hey you're doing something yeah. you're doing something that is different yeah because like how many people i like before i started homebrewing i didn't even know that that was an, a thing right so i used to make wine at home from time to time like a little batch 23 liters or so and uh and then one day i was just like you know what i want, I want to see if you can make beer for at home and it just like started a, a very expensive hobby you know buying new equipment and kettles and propane burners and whatever to make beer and then it was just like you know uh, this is probably what i want to do i was because I, I was also afraid that i was going to be destined to join the family heritage of working in restaurants or owning a restaurant so i was like i really don't want to do that so you being the brilliant man you are said i'm going to go into the most profitable sector of the restaurant business which is booze exactly I'm the and fuck the, the 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 chicken wings and <laughs> and the burgers that are just break even. Yeah, let's go straight to the source here. Yeah, because I'm a savage. My name is Thomas Belukas, and I make beer. Yeah, pretty much, and that's it. And it's uh, it's great. It's you know, um, it it gave us a new avenue. It's a new opportunity. Uh, we were able to learn a lot from this situation and and growing the company now that we've been brewing for three years but we've been operating for about five years now and you know i think i've learned more in these five years than had i just worked in a corporate job somewhere or some other career you know so it's the room for growth when you start your own company i think is infinite yeah because because there's 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 risk there's reward yep. there's stress there's uh, responsibility yep and those things allow you to tap into your survival instincts and the make things happen instincts in a far greater way or a far faster way than if you were working for someone, right? Yep. Because now it's the burden is on you and your team yep. to make things happen and the environment changes, so you must adapt. Yep. Things can, beers can explode, hot sauces can explode, these things happen yep. and you have to learn how to deal with it. Exactly, and it's it's... It's also the, I think for me, the, the, the biggest reward is like as much as I loved working at my previous jobs before I started the brewery, there's a limited, um, well, room for growth, right? Because there's other people in other positions that you have to kind of vie for control to get or whatever. So there's competition and I'm not that competitive in that sense. Like when I work with a team of others, like 
I don't like being competitive amongst the same team, right? It's if we're all working towards the same goal, it's kind of shitty that now I'm going to try to usurp your position in the company because I want to get ahead and get make, you know, an extra 5k a year kind of thing. So your goal is always the outcome, the yeah, great, the greater good. Exactly. So whatever it takes to, for the greater good. Exactly. And at least if I am running the company, any decision I make, it's on me and I will reap the benefits of said decisions. And I think that's the type of person I, I am is that as long if I'm at the top, let's say making these decisions and everything blow, goes to shit, I can accept the responsibility for that. But for some reason, when someone's telling me to do something and then it messes up, I take it personally, right? And I, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't be the one that's like, oh shit, even though it's not my fault, I'm still taking someone else's problem as personal. personal. And, you know, for me, that's not the type of thing that I can do. So being able to make decisions and see the outcome whether positive or negative and learn from that i think is better than and it's in real time it doesn't have to go through multiple channels that doesn't have to be exactly. politics or investing or like you don't have to dive deep yeah you're a creative guy you operate with a really great conscience yep. and that's just how you want to run your company and working for someone you can't really you you, you can't really tap into that maybe right. like sometimes you can't i I've, i have no idea but I think the personality type that you have, you've always been a creative thinker, you know, a man yeah. of science, yeah. you know, very, uh, your attention to detail has always been fantastic. And, and you just want to make stuff. Like yeah. at the end of the day, you want to make stuff. Exactly. You, you rather make your own thing than yeah. sell someone else's thing. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if you have that, you have to go on your own. Yeah. It's, if you're, I find if you're a very creative person, and not to say that every I think everyone has a certain level of creativity. It's just how much you're willing to push your own creativity for your own goal rather than someone else's goal. In a sense that I I've learned that I could be creative in any position, any job or anything like that, and come up with better ideas for possibly, you know, increasing sales or better customer service or whatever. But at some point, I also don't want to give too much because it's like that could be something that makes me a better person in the long run. And also in business sense, could make me more money or be more yeah. profitable in a sense. But and I think it comes back to you're the inventor. Yeah. Right. You have that inventor gene. Yeah. I have that inventor gene. Yeah. And so you said a great point about creativity because it's not like we're saying you can't be creative if you work for someone. No, Anyone who's successful at what they do, at, the, at what they do, is able to to be creative and find solutions and do amazing things. Yep. But your your kind of creativity and and mine is like we we make stuff. Yeah. Like we literally make it. Yeah. Like we make the stuff. That's our yep. creativity. Some people like I need a creative salesperson to sell my stuff. Yeah. Because they have an ability to be creative in the sales domain where I can't do that because yep. I'm creating like same you. You yeah. got a great new, you have a team, you have a great new salesperson yeah. and they have a creative ability to sell the shit out of your beer. Yeah. It's because like for the longest time, I think one of our, Wait, the, the, chair, yeah. the chair is just squeaking a little. Sorry. I, yeah. It's, it's pretty audio. Okay. So just don't move around too much. Yeah. It's, a, it's a piece of shit chair. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a budget restriction. I apologize <laughs> to the members of the Federation. It's not you, Belucas. It's the chair. All right, I, 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 we got that out of the way. Um, 
but like one thing that I suffer from is, is a sense of pride, right? And I think my pride sometimes gets the better of me. So for the longest time, uh, I always thought we don't need a sales team because my brother and Vera are fantastic salespeople. They go out on the road and whatever, but they themselves have never been in a position to push sales in any kind of domain, right? And it, whether it's, I don't know, insurance or in this case, beer. So with them, um, you know, with their limitations and the fact that I have to be in the back brewing because that's where my skills sets are best used. It was like, okay, I think we need to find someone. And we ended up through our network meeting up with the sales guy who's now pushing our product and you know, it's, it's moving. And he's selling pallets, pallets, of this pallets, stuff. baby pallets. So it's, you know, it feels, it feels good seeing like at the end of the week, we have, you know, 70 to 80 cases of beer packaged. And then two days later, it's out the door, the whole thing. What an amazing thing. It's, it feels great, you know, because sometimes you're, you're sitting on some inventory and you're just like, oh, what's going on? Why is it not selling? You know, is there something wrong with it? It could just be the time that, you know, we released a porter, let's say in the summertime, it was, you know, a bad decision, but this is, you know, a full pallet is out the door. That's, that's the best. And, and so basically what I'm getting out of this is that when you hire people who are, or work with people in general, who are specialists in their domain, right. then the whole of the organization or organism is the way I see a business as an organism, yeah. because it functions with multiple components, just like our body. But, uh, you know, Vera and your brother have specialties, yep. was in sales, but then again, when you're starting a company, yep. you don't have an unlimited budget or experience. Yeah. So you were just happy saying that, okay, well, I'm making the fucking beer. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to do the sales. And they yeah. were doing it because it got you from point A to point B. Exactly. And then we got from point B to point C by, you know, saying, okay, there's limitations to each person's uh, abilities. Yeah. And now we need someone who's, sole purpose and sole like joy in life is to go out and push a, a sale yeah, crush yeah yeah so it's the same thing like you know we took your advice about um oh god what did i say what did i say it was actually probably one of the best pieces of advice oh it was, shit it was along the lines like outsource whatever work one you don't want to do or two you have no idea how to do it <laughs> fair right so my brother God bless his soul. He's tried his best to keep the books in order. Well, he's a finance guy. He's, yeah. he's a smart guy. Exactly. But he studied finance, not accounting, right? So accountants will find discrepancies. They will know how things are supposed to be categorized in your ledgers and whatever. All that horse shit that yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, like to this day, I kind of know, I think I finally figured out what the difference between net and gross is when it comes to like profits or whatever. It's just okay. like for the longest time, I never knew the difference, right? Yeah. So gross is the bigger number that you wish was the net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So we took your advice and we found a guy who's an independent accountant and he takes care of our books now. So he comes in once a month, takes looks at things and tells us how things are going or whatever. He helps us find uh, grants and stuff like that. And we also have a guy to help us with grants. So did the accountant introduce you to the grant guy? No, this, the, the grant guy was from our neighbors who are in the coffee industry. Look at that. Yeah. Look, I love that. I, that's amazing. That's, that's a wonderful yeah. thing. So networking has worked in our favor because we got the sales guy, we've got the accountant, we've got the grant guy. And your poor brother who was so stressed about like the month ends. Yeah. Now, 
now he's the one loading now to, up. Now doesn't have to fucking worry about it. No, exactly. So he's the one now who loads up the truck, goes with the sales guy, and delivers the beer. So soon, you know, we're hoping that we can hire someone to do that so my brother could focus on other aspects of the business. Like finance stuff. Finance <laughs> stuff or, you know, figuring out a new product line or I don't know. So you initially were the one who came up with the, the concepts of the recipes, right? Yeah. yeah. Your brother, has he started tapping into that as well? He has actually. So when we were homebrewing, a lot of the recipes that we were testing was from my research and tests and stuff like that. But once we started the brewery, he has jumped in and he has created some recipes that I even brought for us to try today. Whoa. Yeah. Little pl uh, product plug. That's okay. Uh, that's what we're here to do. That's what the, that's what the Misho podcast 30, third party vibes is all about. I figure if there's trillions of beings in the Federation, it's, this is the best place to advertise. Absolutely. This is, this is it. This is my Super Bowl ad. Yeah, man. So uh, soon we'll, we'll, we'll look at the product offering yeah. and we'll, we'll start sampling, I guess. Yeah. So like my, since we started brewing at the, at the facility, uh, my brother has created recipes as well. So he's jumped in he's come in and said, Oh, I've got this idea for a sour beer. And, to me, at first, sour beers were not my thing. I wasn't into them. Uh, and he's like, let's just try it. So we brewed it and it turned out and now I enjoy sour beers, you know? So, so was he the one who came up with the idea of all those sours that you have? Like the blueberry and is it the cherry? Yeah, or? the blueberry, the cherry, the Karina, which is a sour IPA. And you have the, the pina colada one? We ha Yeah, that's a summer seasonal release that we do. Um, the pe So I took the... The, I took the idea of the sours and I was the one that thought of coming up with the pina colada, right? Okay, I, very nice. I like pineapple and coconut. I was like, so do why I. Not? Yeah. I'm a big fan. So I was like, why not? You know, Th that's the beauty of brewing. Sometimes you can have an ingredient that you have in your mind and you're just like, why not? You that's know? beautiful. The, the porter, which I don't think I brought a can of it, the porter, I was just like, I want to brew with cocoa nibs. You know, I want to brew with chocolate and see what I get out of it. Yeah. So, and it's like, cause you've always been a creative guy. Like we bonded in our first, at four or five years old, whatever it was yeah. on Legos. Oh fuck. Right. God damn. Lego is the. Like what did we meet in, meet in kindergarten or something? Yeah. And yeah. We we're just playing with Legos, building stuff. Yep. Two fucking creative, weird nerd guys. <laughs> yeah. Just like working on Legos. all the We time. were into dinosaurs, Ninja Turtles and Lego life. Dude, is there anything more? No, I think that's it. I think that's. Does anything else matter? No, even to this day, as an adult, like if, you know, I wish I could go back in time to that. <laughs> oh, I, I watched a show called The Toys That Made Us. I've seen that advertised, but I never watched it. Uh, well, if you have Netflix, I'd check it out. Okay. Do you have Netflix? Yeah. At this point, it's like, who doesn't have Netflix? Weird people. Right? Very weird people. Because uh, Netflix, they, they just had their, their quarterly sales report yeah. or something, whatever it is. And they didn't hit their targets. Of subscribers. But like last year, they hit like 10 million new subscribers. That's pretty like, and they've were already- Well, they probably even hit more than that. But at, the, at, at a certain point, how many more subscribers can you get? Yeah. Because they have every, everyone has Netflix. Yeah. Netflix and chill, man. Yeah. Everyone does it. Well, even then it's like they, they offer like a family package, right? So if one person in your family gets it, then like they could give an account to like four other members. So yeah, I feel like that was a, a flawed move, but maybe it got everyone in. I think that was the appeal. Like it's the same thing with Spotify. You could buy a single account for Spotify or in our case, we, we have one Spotify family account and my parents have Spotify. I have it too and whatever. And it's, yeah, 
Because it's just tough for them. Like, imagine you're the sales team at Netflix and you're like, okay, how, how do we get more people to get Netflix? It's yeah. like, okay, well, maybe you got to go off planet now. Yeah. You know? What are so, developing, what are places with no internet? Let's give them internet and then yeah. they can have Netflix. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix is working with a back alley deal with uh, Elon Musk so that when they colonize Mars, you know, they could set up a network over there to uh, have Netflix. Yeah, that would be, but, uh, that would be fun. At, at this point, <laughs> like obviously I'm fucking around and, mo and there are still places that are not widely uh, connected, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, it must be if you're head of sales or head of business development at yeah. Netflix, you got to start getting real fucking creative. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's why now Netflix, what they're doing is rather than try to probably get more clients or new subscribers, which is obviously a, a sign of growth for the company, but I would also think retention too is a big thing. Because, oh, yeah, retention is a very key and, point. And I think retention for any business is the key point, right? How do you continue to offer value? Exactly. Beyond that thing that got them in. Exactly. Beyond that stranger things or that house of cards, whatever yeah. it was. Because, like, to be honest, for me now, HBO, right? I, I signed up to HBO because of Game of Thrones. I had read the books and I was like, I got to watch the show and see how well they've transitioned from the books to the show. Yeah. There's, no HBO, uh, there's no Game of Thrones. There's nothing similar to it I find on any media platform until the new Lord of the Rings comes out from Amazon. You know what the budget for that is? Like a billion dollars. So, yeah, well, it's, apparently they said somewhere around 400 million for season one. Yeah, and I think the- The it, highest, it's like 10 yeah. times higher than whatever, so it's gonna be crazy. I, I hope so, and I, like, I'm looking forward to it, but you know, like with Game of Thrones ending with that shitty ending season, and I can spend hours bitching about that. Okay. Like, but I won't. But like now for me, HBO is pretty much worthless because there's nothing on their value to me. So it's like, I'm, I'm actually considering not, not subscribing uh, anymore, yeah. you know? So it's like, yeah. Like what's, you know, who, you know, who's a master of this is Disney. Yeah. Disney plus they know how to get you excited about a property yeah. and then keep you reeled in. Well, I'm a Mandalorian, right? Mandalorian. And then a week after Mandalorian ended, because they, they're smart too by releasing one episode a week. Yeah, yeah so they know the drip. They know how to hit the algorithms on Twitter. Exactly. Then they get WandaVision. Exactly. And, and then the Winter Soldier. And and, and yeah. these are properties that like are kind of obscure. The, like Star Wars, yes, yeah. Mandalorian, but it's like, it's new people. Yeah. But they got us in. WandaVision, I could give a fuck about Wanda or Vision. Yeah. But I watched it every week, even though the first two episodes, I wanted to blow my brains out. <laughs> It's, but I, it's got good. Yeah, and now I haven't watched uh, neither the Falcon have I. and Winter Soldier. Neither have I. And I'm I'm a huge Captain America fan. Uh, I was super so happy. You, you couldn't do him dirty like that. No, I I, I think because to me Captain America is not the actual person, but what he represents, right? Because like in the movies with Chris Evans as Captain America, he's yep. representing like, um, you stick to your guns no matter what the consequences can be because you think you're right. You know, like when uh, the like, civil yeah. when the civil war happens, he thinks that like signing on to the accords so that they're like overseen by an um, like a United Nations kind of control group or whatever, and he's saying like, no, we need to have the freedom to and to act quickly on things, you know, and he's stuck to his guns, but it's also the honor that he has, the doing what's right regardless of the outcome kind of thing. To me, that like speaks a lot for a character. So if, I mean, I'm speculating they, yeah. on the show, if, if now Falcon can follow through on that and kind of have the same values, then he is Captain America. 
And I think that's the cool thing is that Captain America is not a person. It's not like Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a person, right? Yeah. He's, he's okay. A, so you're saying that Captain America is more of an idea. Exactly. Exactly. He represents something. Yeah, exactly. So like when he was able to lift Mjolnir, you know, and start kicking Thanos' ass, like Mjolnir. Yeah. That's Thor's hammer. Exactly. So to me, that's, I think that's a cool aspect of Captain America. And it's a, it's a virtue that I try to also so, sort of try to emulate myself, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great way to look at it. But yeah. so why haven't you watched the show? Uh, Just haven't gotten around to it? Yeah. Same as me. I haven't been that excited to see it. It's, yeah, I'm like torn, you know? I'm just probably also going to wait till everything airs and then watch, because I still haven't even seen The Mandalorian, season one what? or two. What? Yeah. <laughs> so do, you don't have Disney Plus? No. Okay. I do have access to it, uh, but I just haven't really watched anything. Okay, that's cool. I've, and last well, production value is amazing. Yeah. The, everything, everything's great. But so going back to what we were talking about, they're continuing to add value. Yeah. Right? HBO Max, HBO Max now, the streaming service, which yeah. I don't even think is available here it's in Canada. It's Craven HBO here yeah. in Canada. Okay. But, you know, Justice League, um, yeah. Godzilla Kong. Mortal Kombat came out last I night. I watched it last night. But it's like 25 bucks to rent. Yeah, I know. Well, because it's not in theaters, right? I know. So they have to... I know. How badly do you want to watch it, really? I kind of do, but I'm not going to pay 25 bucks, you know? Like, that's the... Yeah, but it's Mortal, Mortal Kombat. I know. I know. <laughs> it, I watched it. Any good? It was gratuitous. Gratuit. Okay. In every way. Was it as... Like, was the production value better than the originals? Way better. Okay, because like I, I I know the the originals at the time like you know were if, decent for their day. Yeah, but like for today's day and age and no, movies, it looked, it looked great. It looked great. Okay, it looked great, and it was like it was self aware. It was fun and goofy. Okay, okay that's a big. It thing. was actually funnier. Okay. Than I remember, like there's a lot of chirping. Yeah, Raiden Raiden was actually pretty funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Oh, so man. look, you had a good week. You're telling me how fucking yeah. high your sales are once you spend the fucking 25 bones. Or you'd Cause, wait. Because I ended up buying a, a model for my hobby. So it's like... Okay. <laughs> all right. It's okay. Hey, man. It's all about choices. Yeah. But back to the toys that made us, yeah. which started this whole deviation. <laughs> um, I watched Ninja Turtles uh, episode and they talk about how the inception of Ninja Turtles and how the merchandising became incredible Yeah. and how... Uh, there's collector's items and how it took the world by storm. Yeah. Another episode I watched was Power Rangers. Oh my god. And Power Rangers, like how it started. It, it was a, it was a music guy. I, I speak about this in almost yeah, every fucking I, podcast. I listened to your with episode Trin. from last week. Uh, last week or the week two weeks ago about uh, Saban. Yeah. And he, like you know, he pitched an idea. That no one was biting for ten what, years. Ten years. <laughs> yeah. This guy was still trying, and he it finally someone said, you know what, let's. We need a Saturday morning cartoon slot, you know? Or yeah, and he sold a shitload of toys, man. Yeah. Because it was working in Japan. Yeah. And he found a way to make it cheaper by just licensing. Yeah. But long story short, the toys. So you tell an amazing story with characters that you love, whether it be Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, um, what do you call it? Oh, it could be Star Trek. Yeah. What's the other one I'm thinking? Transformers. Yeah. And you make the story, you put it out consistently, and then you sell a bunch of toys. Yeah. Which to me, in my in my business art mind, is the most amazing way to create a world, create a universe, deliver value to people. Yeah. Because they love the characters. You're part of their lives. 
and and then you can you can sell merchandise that becomes collectible and yep. now with like digital collectibles like it helps the creators as well like yep. everything's connected it's beautiful well, so i'm so jazzed on it that's like, why i want to create my comic book and do all that thing george lucas his end goal was okay it was to make the movies and and you know create a universe but i think one of his end goals was the merchandise right he sold he was able to sell star wars to disney for four billion dollars because yeah. it came with the licensing rights to the toys exactly the merchandise exactly every t-shirt that's made that's got printed with darth vader's face on it or every lego set that's lego star wars or uh video games and stuff like that there is an like infinite pool of money that can come from this and george lucas saw that as the like the is, ultimate is, goal is that what was that the ultimate goal from what i understood that was like or a goal it was a goal but it was one of the bigger goals that he had was the merchandise yeah because i really resonate with with that because you got to understand that when let's say when you're younger and you want to create art and you have like you you want to be pure and it's not about money it's not about this and that well if you want to make your art yeah. you have to find a way to make it a business yeah or else it ain't gonna happen it's a hobby it, it's, yeah it's it's a hobby if you're doing something that you love and making no money from it yeah you need a job yeah <laughs> yeah and that job is not going to be that thing that you love exactly so licensing excites me so much because it allows you to put all your energy to create this amazing thing yep with characters and bonkers bananas things like you know we were talking about earlier the feed and all those weird yeah. crazy things that i post but that was all culminating into this 5d yeah. universe that i'm creating that can only sustain itself and only turn into something else if i make a nice story with really cool weird characters with really fun social commentary yeah and then sell stuff that goes with it and build a community of people who don't who love the characters not me yeah. right that's why i always had a problem with the music it's uh to be a successful artist you you have to be the kind of person who really wants to be upfront and wants to be loved yeah but i i don't want that it, because it's not me i, yeah. I want to create things that people love but i don't want to be the thing people love i'm a flawed human <laughs> i'm a goofy character i have opinions and perspectives that if i really shared the whole world would think i'm a fucking disgrace <laughs> but, but but i but in dr algo i can put elements of my yeah. personality in misho i can put in the time travelers right yeah. well first i have a question for you shoot when are we going to see a toy line of the fifth dimension federation of time travelers well here i'll show you something right now okay <laughs> i'll show you something right now right. i forgot and you'd be the sickest person to show this to so sorry, fellow time travelers, I can't show you this right now, but what it is is concept art. Here, I'll show you the first concept of the fifth dimension being. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That so, you wow. see what's going on there? They got they got the shine on your head uh, in that one. Yeah, <laughs> and then it turned into this. So I was looking for an artist to make me a comic book style cover. That's, that's beautiful. That's that's amazing. I love it. Folk, so, folks, um, <laughs> if you're listening on the airwaves and other dimensions or whatever, um, stay tuned for this. Yeah. So so where does it start is is the question that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Because is Misho and the fifth dimension and Dr. Algo, who's the arch nemesis, works for the machine. Okay. Uh, Misho is essentially, he's on Earth. 
but he's he he's a pretty much a sales rep for the Galactic Federation <laughs> of Time Travelers. All right, you know, so he, he and he's trying to activate time travelers. Okay, because when Earth was terraformed, there there were many time travelers planted here, but part of their mission is to, or part of their challenge is to forget that they're time travelers. Okay, so they need to be reactivated to bring balance to the force because the machine is is in essence. Uh, matrix styles, just yeah. harvesting energy, just making sure that the cogs are spinning so that technology can evolve and go to a certain way in a certain place. Okay. But essentially, it's the GFTT, the Galactic Federation of Time Travelers, versus the machine. Okay. And they just need to be balanced. And so what I think is Misho is going to be this character who is a musician in this world and with the power of, of vibration, <laughs> activating time travelers, creating the time traveler community. And that's how I want to actually create a community of time travelers, almost like, you know, in the streaming way, like you have subscribers yep. or like people who, who pay for the streaming service. Well, I want to do the Transformers thing, the Power Rangers thing, but instead of having like toys, well, which there will be toys, yeah. but there could be like subscriptions or like a kind of thing where you're delivering value yep. and they're part of the Galactic Federation. They get they get access to NFTs, which is going to be kind of like a currency of the of the brand that they can invest in. Yep. Uh, and essentially having time travelers across the world. I want to have a million time travelers to bring balance to the force. So it's with all of my shit that I make, is it, does he believe it? Is it real? Is it a joke? And that's where I like to lie, in a place where no one knows what I'm doing or if they think I'm insane. So I'm fortunate enough that I've known you for so long that, like, I joke toward, to you that I think you're going insane with these things. But I know in reality, it's your, this is your creative outlook. This is your, your way to express yourself, right? And uh, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's funny at times. And sometimes you say some things and it like kind of resonates, like, you know, it like piques my interest, like, oh, you might be onto something here, you know, like a, a fifth dimension or whatever. So when you start talking and, and acting like this, and by the way, the feed needs to be like, I think at least a weekly thing. Once, once a week, the feed needs to be. Maybe show. that's the way it starts is I start making the real characters of the feed. Yeah. Because now I'm just using like Arnold and I'm <laughs> using uh, the Borg. Yeah. And Donnie Dekas. And Donnie Dekas. But. But yeah, yeah. That's what you were saying. So I just I th I think it's it's I'm glad that you're able to express yourself creative like through this creative avenue, and the fact that you're like you're becoming more f like focused and figuring out what how you want to market the Michel brand, how you want to grow yourself as an individual, and to also create a community. I think it's I think it's amazing. It's like inspiring. Oh, you know, cool, seeing man. you start focusing has translated to me being more focused at the brewery and having like certain goals and certain ambitions for the brewery uh, in the new future in like 10 years from now. You yeah. Know? Cause you want to do what you do in the best way possible yeah. to impact the most people possible to, to have like a, a club, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you know, you know, exactly. Like how often have you gone to a concert for a musician or whatever? And, because you like their music, but then you end up talking to the guy sitting next to you, and then you you 
you kind of befriend this person because you're both into the same music and you and you both figure out like you know uh we have a lot in common we yeah. have a friend here the this that oh this guy knows that guy you know exactly yeah. and it's and you, there's a community right so exactly I think any any avenue you know like lady gaga's got her, what are they the, her monsters yeah right if this is a group of fans that she's given a name to and they feel like a part of a community, you know? Exactly. So for some of them, it's just they want to go to the concerts together to watch Lady Gaga. Some of them actually become friends and they help each other, you know, the... Yeah, because everyone's looking for community. Even my brother, when he goes to the the car meets and stuff yeah. like that, it's the same people. They always see each other. They become friends. They Sometimes they there's business opportunities that come from it. That's like my brother has has gotten so many like business opportunities from the car community. Yeah. Because the community is really, what it really does is it, is it destroys a bunch of layers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, if you're into this kind of thing, it it answers a bunch of questions that you wouldn't need to necessarily ask or be filtered yeah. out. And you're just like, oh yeah, well, if we're both here, it means we got a lot more in common than some stranger on the fucking street. Exactly. And this happens just from everyone sharing one Item common, or common passion. One common passion for your brother, it's cars. For me, it's Warhammer and Magic the Gathering, you know? Yeah. And uh, for you, it's music. It's Yeah, and that's why I find it like creativity for me is I look at other things, the way they operate. I use those formulas, but add new things to them that exist, right? So yeah. it's like, imagine taking the, the Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers formula, you know, show toys, and then add streaming revenue like look at twitch people how yeah. are they doing it well they have they have tons of like subscribers okay how do i because i would never ask people for money unless like they're really making it like yeah. un unless they're getting something right yeah. if you're a member of the federation and i haven't figured this out yet what are you going to be getting from it and because we were talking about retention yeah I i'm not the kind of person who's going to say subscribe uh you get a one-time thing and then it's like yeah. bullshit no no because i can't do that because i operate from that same code you do yeah if I give someone, if, if someone is paying me for something, I want them to be, to have the most bang for buck for what they're getting yeah. so that they can't go without it. Yeah. And uh, it all, how to start it, who knows? Because is it a comic book? Is it just, because you got a lean operation too. Yeah. I found a great comic book artist. That's who helped me with that album cover. But it's like, do I do an album cover and then do a, a narration episode? on Spotify, for example, yeah. that like you see the cover, you can listen to episode one and if you want to buy the season, it's this much. Yeah. So it's like an audio comic book. And then I don't have to worry about illustrating pages, yeah. just a sick ass cover for every comic. Yeah. And just being consistent with it. And then once you have enough numbers, just like you were talking about earlier, you can go to a publisher or you can go to an entertainment company. You can do all these things. Yeah. And who knows what can happen. But this is what I want to do because I love it. Yeah. And I always want to be a secondary character within the universe that I created. Like, I don't want it to be all about me. Yeah. I want it to be all about what I created. But like Misho would be more of a Zordon character <laughs> than the actual time travelers because yeah. I'm not relatable. I'm really not. I'm, I'm, I'm bizarre. I have a, sh I have a fucking shaved head. <laughs> I, I do things very Oddly, so I'm not a relatable character, but the characters within should yeah. be relatable. Which I think, yeah, I, I I don't see why you won't be able to succeed in that in some aspect. You know, whether it's you like you said, you you, you do your own audiobooks, right? Yeah, 
like or in this case comic books because most times there's audio books but i myself don't know if is there an audio comic book where at least let's say you could see the the well, i don't know what they're called the the screens or whatever the the yeah the main artwork the main artwork for each page you know and then it's you narrating the stuff and then you can have some sound engineer in the background doing whatever if there's like an explosion or like a the time traveling sound or whatever yeah. they just throw it in so it's like so i just got to figure it out and do like a lean version one to yeah. put it out there into the market to see if anybody gives a shit exactly because that's because money is not infinite but the opportunities i find are infinite there's infinite opportunities for you to try something and see if it succeeds or not it, exactly but there is a money aspect it's not like i'm saying you know if, I, if money wasn't the if money was like no option or What's the like? What's the what's the saying? Whatever. If there was infinite money to yeah. put into it, okay, there would be a comic book. There would be a cartoon. I'd fully make it. I'd, yeah. I'd go pitch it. I'd give Netflix a finished cartoon. Yeah. But I think there's inventiveness and ingenuity and creativity that has to come into play. Yeah. Because I've always been more excited about a great idea on a small budget than a so-so idea with a huge budget. Yeah. Because you're not on a huge budget with so-so ideas, you're not bringing anything new to the table. But creativity doesn't require a massive budget because that's what gets the spark. Because yeah. everyone's doing the thing that has always been done. Yeah. But very few people are doing the thing that hasn't been done because it hasn't been done. Like, I'll use the video game Minecraft, for example. When it came out, it's literally Lego in a computer, right? You Everything is block format or whatever. It was, I think, programmed originally on, like, Java or something. Like, a very... It, it looks like a terrible game when it first came out. But it got to the point where there was such a huge following and it was such a well put together game that these they were constantly patching it and upgrading and adding new things to it or whatever. They eventually sold what probably cost them, let's say, 50000 to produce it originally. They sold it for like over a billion dollars to Microsoft, right? So it started off small and that's what can happen with the Michel brand. It starts off small with certain little pockets of revenue that have potential to grow, but you yourself don't have the ability to and yeah. put more cash into it. All, I, all I can really do is show proof of concept. Exactly. And then that's all that banks or investors look for. Yeah. Proof of concept. You did the hard work. Yeah. Now let's blow it up. Exactly. So there is same as the brewery. It yeah. starts starting your garage. Yep. Then you get a small place. Yep. And you have one little tank. <laughs> yeah. And then you keep going. Now your place is full of tanks. It looks yeah. like a fucking laboratory. Yeah. It looks like uh, uh what's this? What name a there? beautiful setup you've got from uh, Breaking Bad. There, where like underneath <laughs> yeah. the car wash, there are all the vats and <laughs> That's everything. That's what it looks like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it looks like a fucking meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, minus the explosions. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's it. So it's, in our case, you know, we start off with the three tanks to brew the beer. We start off with one fermenter and the carbonation tank. And then three months down the line, our business plan, the funny thing was, our business plan was to expand to a second fermentation vessel a year into uh, the operation. Because we're like, okay, we're going to make a batch and sell it and this and that. But like three months in, you know, we're sitting there like, fuck, we can't keep up with the demand. We have to get a second tank. Yeah. So we bought the second tank. And then like three months after that, we bought more tanks. And now we're at the point where there's no room in the brewery. You need a, you need to rent another space. Yeah. You need to knock down the wall. <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, and also go vertical with the walls too because the tanks start getting bigger. And but see, it's that evolution, that consistency that it keeps growing yeah. and keep moving. And you've had the ability to do that. Yeah. And in the art world, it's been much more difficult for artists. Not, not that that's not difficult, but I mean to self-start before because you would have to re re rely yeah. on a publisher 
or for yeah. a comic book, right? You got to go pitch your comic book to a publisher. Yeah. You got to pitch your music to a uh, to a record label. Yeah. And in doing so, first of all, it, it's it's very difficult to get signed. You have to still figure out how to show some kind of proof of concept of something. Yeah. But then the growth relies on you. Yeah. The artist. Yeah. Whereas if you're developing something that is bigger than you, it doesn't need you to expand. Yeah. So that's why like a lot of artists uh, burn out, right? And they're they're they live hard hard lives. They're always on the road. They're yeah. always. But that's why I want to invent characters and and different worlds and things like that because yeah. I want to be more of a Stan Lee. Yeah. You know, than than a yeah than a Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> Not that that fucking is a thing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And I think um, I kind of lost my train of thought where we wanted to You're say. You were talking about the tanks and the growth and the brewery. But it's um, it's along the lines of uh, with art, right? Because music, comic books, they're a form of art. And it's tough for artists because, um, for instance, uh, I'm a huge metalhead. Right, I love heavy metal music, and thanks to you, you know, I got into Children of Bodom and Avenged Sevenfold. And rest Rude. in peace, Alexi. Ah, fuck, man, that was brutal. That hit hard. That hit hard. Um, he was the first like celebrity that I followed that really? that I felt like a he little. He was. He just had a, a charisma, man. He didn't I, even talk that much. No, it's just I think he poured his soul into the music. You can feel it. And his skill of playing the guitar was amazing, but that's a, another topic. Um, but I think with art in general, it's hard for a lot of people to make something like, let's say a, a good living out of it. You know, like you said, not burnt out on the road 24 seven, trying to make something because art is a lot more subjective, right? So in your aspect, you're trying to hit comic books, um, TV shows, music, whatever. So you're trying to expand and grow like a whole community around your brand, but also hit a like different avenues that people will consume. Um, most artists, like I don't listen to because they're not heavy metal. They're not like classic rock. So if you're a pop star in today's day and age, you don't have me as a, as a listener. I might hear you on the radio, but I'm not going to actively seek out more of your material. Yeah. So it's hard for artists, whether it's a, a visual art or literary or musical to really grow in the sense, I think that they see themselves as like growing to the size of Metallica, right? Yeah. Because you're you're not gonna appease everyone with it, but it's not to appease people. It's like But isn't that like everything? Like beer. Not everybody drinks beer. Yeah, it's true. Not everyone drinks beer. And not a lot of people and like a lot of people don't like our beer or you know, I've read reviews of our beer sometimes and I laugh because they're pretty hysterical. Okay. People have given us one star reviews for our Japanese lager. But it's and then, the biggest seller, though. Yeah, and then they say, I don't like loggers, too. So I like, read the review. I'm like, then why'd you buy yeah. a logger if you don't like loggers, you yeah. know? But so in all aspects, I think, you know, it's tough for people to grow. But I think when it comes to arts, like the arts, so music, whatever, I find it's a lot harder for people to make it big or to grow to, like, a certain size because of how much more subjective art is in all its forms as opposed to an actual physical product. Yeah, right? that's that's definitely... Like def in, in yeah. our case, someone might not like beer, but they might drink our beer at a party. You know, if everyone else is having a beer and someone throws them a can and says, here, try it, you know? Yeah. At least we might have a chance to hook them, 
Whereas music, it's like if I hear if I hear a beat I don't like on the radio, I'll change the station. I'll put on Spotify or yeah. switch it. But I think it's I don't think it's actually that different than a beer because people have an option of a billion beers, right? Yeah. People have an option of a billion songs. It's up to the artist or the business person to market properly, to get yeah. their thing discovered, yeah. and to build a rapport that keeps them going, so, right? So, yeah. So it's 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 like any other business. I, I understand though, like I understand what you mean, but I think what most artists lack is a business model, because if yeah. you keep putting out music but you have no financial model, you don't have any targets, yeah. you don't have any goals. Like there are bands that make this kind of math metal that ninety nine point nine percent of the population doesn't listen to, but their business model, they sell uh, recording software for for like for record like they sell literally programs yeah. for recording they they sell lessons they sell their so long story short 80 percent of their revenue doesn't even come from their music yeah but it their music was the marketing to sell all the rest of their products yeah so that's how and that's how any big artist works their music is free but the t-shirts yeah the concert sales the licensing the sync in movies and TV shows, all those things are the revenue generators. So you got to think about art as your networking tool. Yeah, It's what gets people in the door. But it's up to you to have a business model that allows you to continue to yeah. do it. If you think that you're going to make art and then someone's going to discover you and give you a billion dollars, yeah, you're going to lose. That, that was, I think, a bit of a fallacy that we fell into at the brewery at the very beginning was that we're going to make beer where the new kids on the block, people are going to buy us. But it's like, you need the marketing. You need... Uh, you got to work. Yeah. Every department. You exactly. got to be discovered. Exactly. So if it, you didn't have your marketing department, how well do you think the, the stop-ins would be? Oh my God, it would be terrible. But you have events. You have, yeah. uh, you have all kinds of things going. You constantly have social media posts and recipes and all these things. You're, yeah. you're in the drip of your fans' consciousness. You're earning their follow. Just like streamers have to earn their repeat customers yeah and at the end of the day i don't I, I don't see music or movies or comic books any different than beer or shoes because so i guess the way i was talking about it was it wasn't clear but it's like any product has that issue where like you know i'm i strictly buy samsung phones or android phones because i don't like some of the marketing and the stuff that apple does with their phones you know i'm a big thing, I still want my audio jack in my phone, so I'm gonna keep buying phones that have those audio jacks. Apple's like, we're done with that. Yeah. You know, so they, they lost me on that kind of thing. Exactly. Until they come back with it, then I might entertain the idea. But if they're making money off of not selling a phone with an audio jack now, you know, I'm one person out of a billion yeah, phones Yeah, exactly, sold. their sales are still going up. Exactly. So you, you don't fit in their demographic. Exactly. Which is fine. Which is fine, but I, you know, it's, it's along the lines that um, any product has that issue, right? You're going to make something and not everyone's going to like it. But, but I'm just trying to say, though, with the art stuff, music, Yeah, it's whatever, not a physical. It's not physical because it's, it's based on what you see or hear, right? So if something sounds appealing to me when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow that artist and yeah. start following them. And, you know, you start discovering more through Spotify or exactly. whatever. Same thing with music. So it's the music or the art itself is is the marketing. Yeah. But you need to be converting something else. Exactly. 
right? So, unfortunately, now because of COVID, like there's yeah. no concerts, so a lot of these artists are. Yeah, but if if ninety nine percent of your revenue source comes from one thing, you're not diversified. Like yeah. old, like level one business, you have to ha if 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 your sales are coming from only twenty, like what do you if what the fuck am I trying to say? <laughs> If more than 20% of your business is coming from one customer, yeah. you need more customers. Yeah. You need more big players. So if nine, let's say 90% of your revenue is coming from thing, your business model is flawed yeah. because as soon as one revenue stream is, is turned off, you're fucked. You have a bad business. But is that what's happening now with the music industry in general? Is that like a lot of artists sign a deal and then most of their money just comes from the touring and the merchandise? Like, isn't that that 99% where you don't have something else in case like a fucking global pandemic hits and they can't tour anymore. Well, look, think, look at the greats. Look at uh, Post Malone. Look at Drake. Look at, let's just look at those yeah. two. They, they tour. They make a lot of money on tour, but they've invested in other things. Conor McGregor too. They, they have side products. They yeah. have, they have businesses where they sell actual products. Yeah. They all have alcohol companies. I'm pretty yeah. sure they, so they're selling. Yeah. They have a machine that's building. So if there's no touring, they don't give a fuck. They tour for the ego. Yeah. They don't even need it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get that but, for the bigger guys, but like for let's say the the up and comers or the you know like the yeah, well, the up and comers are touring. They're making a little money, but they're mostly opening slots. Yeah, and those opening slots don't pay much because anybody could open. Yeah, if Blink comes to town and says, "Hey, uh, Misho, you want to open?" I'll be like, "Yeah, how much are you paying me?" He's like, "How much are you paying me?" Because everyone else <laughs> wants to pay us to open. Yeah, right. So all it means at the end of the day is you have to have multiple revenue streams. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're fucked. Yeah. And in your in, in your business yourself. So don't look at your business as one revenue stream. If you have different product lines, you have different things going on. Yeah. Those are different revenue streams. That's what, and we did that for the brewery, right? We have the Luke's Blonde with the original lineup. That's to sell and get out the volume, door. Yeah. Volume beer. Marketing. Marketing. And then we have, you know, in the hopes that these pe people buying this beer will then stumble upon our honey brown or our Japanese lager, the sours or the IPAs. And then, okay, I'll try this. I like their Blondale. I'm going to try this. So we have the two lineups, right? One is a little more premium product, um, more in like those boutique stores and boutique restaurants and whatever. And then we have the other stuff that you can pick up at the corner depth. Right. And it's, and it's two product lines. And, and then when we, and have it gives your business more stability, yeah. more season, um, not less seasonality, more consistency. Exactly. Uh, because that's what, that's what you need. You yeah. need to be able to, to gauge and prepare and forecast. Yeah. And what they, what they say is the most successful businesses going back to the point of like, not everybody will want your product. The more niche your product, the more successful you are. Yeah. The, the less niche your product is, the more competitive it is. Yeah. Because if you have an everyman brand, you are, you're a price competitor. Um, you have so much competition that you're inundated by it. Your customer retention is very low yep. because you don't stand for something. As soon as you start talking about your values, as soon as you, you start focusing your product, as soon as you make it as focused and narrow as possible yep. then you can actually focus you can hit that hammer hard yep. and you can find that community of people who vibe with that yep. right like the people at the concert they're vibing with that but if it's an if it's so wide that there's yeah 
it, it's like walking in the street versus going to a concert. It's it's that same thing. So all the because I I'm a glutton for marketing books and and understanding how f successful businesses work. Yeah, and it's all about niche and focus. What did Apple do? They re they took away the jack, the input jack on the phone. They yeah. lost you as a customer. But what did they gain? The they they gained sales of their wireless Bluetooth products. Yeah. They increased the value of their company. They sold a shitload more phones because they knew who they were and they weren't afraid to piss off to piss off certain people yeah. who don't even vibe with them anyway. Yeah. So it's about see what I mean? It's about making tough decisions. Yeah. That's why like most like a successful restaurant specializes. An unsuccessful restaurant does everything. Yeah. Greek, it does every yeah, the, the Greek way. The Greek oh, yeah, pirate you, way. You want lasagna? Perfect. You want pizza? Perfect. You want sushi? Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we do it all. Yeah. But if you do it all, you do nothing because exactly. you're not great at it. Yeah. And coming from a restaurant, speaking of that, like. When, Does that resonate a little? God bless. But like, you know, when your menu is like 18 pages because you have eight different pizzas and, and whatever and man. this and that, it's like the overhead costs of the food and. And the inventory and then yeah. it dies and spoils because you don't use enough of it, but Ex there's minimum quantities. <laughs> you, it's Same yeah. thing as the garage door opener company, yeah. man. It's, it was, let's have. Every product variation possible. Yeah. And what did that do? Just head It tore up our cash in inventory yeah. because we carried too many versions. Yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to get rid of 80% of our models, yeah. which was a very tough sell within the organization. It didn't happen. So I just said, see you later. I'm <laughs> cashing out, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go do my own thing. Because like I remember when I would visit you at McCannon and you know, your warehouse was pretty big for the size company that you guys were. And like half the warehouse was just the actual production and guys slapping the parts together or whatever. And then the other half of the warehouse was just racks and racks and yep. pallets of parts. Yeah. And like, I'm sure there was people whose sole responsibility was to keep inventory of stuff like that, but like keeping track of everything. And then, like you said, I, you know, for us, like I'm lucky that there's companies that cater to small orders. So I don't have to order, you know, a, a one metric ton of malt at a time, I can order five bags of malt if I need, you know, but at some point, like, you know, you're, you're dealing with minimum orders. You're dealing with all this inventory. It's insane. I don't know how you put up with it for so long. It was, uh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. There was a lot of, a lot of changes that needed to be made, but it's a, I don't know, man, that inventory was a disaster. And so like, how do you solve the inventory problem? Sell the company. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, this is what I was trying to say. The the, you know, you were talking about specializing, in our inventory, let's say positions, we didn't have someone who specialized in that. We had someone who, had just been doing it. Like let's say, you were V one sales, V two sales was was your brother in Vera. Yeah. V two, just remained, so there was no expertise. It was just yeah. keep doing what we always do. Yeah. Because we didn't invest in the proper. In the in the proper people and the proper resources, yeah, we did after, and it and it really helped us a shitload. But then, what ended up happening was we just made our company a little bit more efficient, a little bit more profitable, and it made it uh, easier to sell. Do you think um, if the circumstances were different and your father didn't pass, um, do you think you would have had the same um, like? goals in the company to eventually switch it over and, and try to make it as lean as possible or no chance or because you were thrust into it so quickly and so like unexpectedly it was sink or swim 
Okay. To me, I, I, I didn't have access to the books before. I didn't see what was going on. I didn't even understand anything. I was just a salesman making sure I sold operators. That okay. was my job. But as soon as like I was in charge of the company and I started looking at it with clear eyes, I saw opportunities to improve efficiencies, to be more profitable, to, okay. to build equity and value within the business. Yeah. So I had that motivation. And I also had the foresight to know that if we continued without evolving and without improving our, our processes, we were, we were going to get swallowed up and destroyed by competition and, and, and fail and go bankrupt. Yeah. So to me, it was, it was, well, I'm at the helm of this. I want to make it as healthy as possible because it's about health. And if yeah. the company's healthy, then it grows. Yeah. If you try to grow it in an unhealthy way, which is what we did at the beginning. Yeah. It's like, there's a cancer inside there that just keeps festering. And yeah. And if, if you're not building on a, on a great base, then you, it's just going to crumble. Yeah. So after a few years on the road of just like hitting hard sales and like 20, 30% growth month to month to month, uh, we were tearing at the seams and it was like, okay, now it's time to improve the shop floor design, to improve our inventory, to improve our cash flow, to everything. Yeah. And I had goals of like, you know, three years of, of rebuilding. So then we can really do a big sales push and then build huge equity in the business. But what ended up happening was that that three years of work was happening and then we were approached to sell. And I said, well, sell now or do this for five, six, seven more years and sell then. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be 40 years old and then get my freedom. I'm like, I, I, this is a fucking get out of jail free card yeah. right now. Yeah. And I had just experienced a sale of another company that I was a board member on. And so it was just open to me. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a, because you hear stories in the business world that someone held out uh, from being bought out. I think it was like Snapchat. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. At one point, that was it Facebook went to them to buy them yeah, out? Yeah, for a billion. For a billion. And they said, no, I'm going to wait out. Sometimes it works to your benefit to wait out selling the company. Sometimes it's like, you know what? And, and I, I couldn't stand being in it anymore. But you see, you and your brother, because I, I, again, I listened to your podcast when you had your brother on. Uh, and your brother also posts a lot of things about how like leaving the company was one of the best things oh, for sure. he did because you know, your the situation you guys got put in there and then having to clean things up to what you thought would be a better situation for everyone. But you're hit with, uh, like that, that wall of resistance from employees and yeah, family we, we, members. We were trying like, to turn a taxi company into Uber. Yeah. And the only way to make Uber is to ignore the taxi company and start Uber. <laughs> exactly. So for you guys then to then, you know, have that opportunity where you and both you and your brother were both like, this was never something we wanted to do to begin with. And we have to deal with this situation. And someone's coming now to basically, like you said, that get out of jail free. Yeah. That, that here it is, man. Here's here's our number with X amount of zeros at the end. And yeah. you sit there and say, uh, you, you know what? Yeah, we're done. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, let's do it. Because yeah. I also realized that as much fun as I had working in the company and dealing with the employees and dealing with the customers, the growth was capped. Yeah. There, I'm an inventive, creative guy. I want to create things. We didn't have the, the budget to truly yeah. invent anything. Our customers were doing a billion dollars, not our customers, our competitors are doing a billion dollars a year. Yeah. They're buying power. They're engineers. They had more engineers. Than you had employees. Than we had employees. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at it realistically, 
You look at your cash flow situation. You look at the way you run. Yeah. You you look at what you want to do, and then you look at your the the market. You're like, to think that it's possible to do what I want to do is insane because. Yeah. The only move to be was was to lean things out and just let it run as it always did. And this is as big of a company as it could ever be. Yeah. And as soon as I made that realization, it was like, I don't want to be in a company that can't grow. Yeah. No, it's because of that creative side in you, right? And and also the the I I you know, in my case, let's say we get to a certain point and you know at some point, some, a lot of companies hit that wall where they can't grow anymore without a huge capital injection from someone else. Exactly. But then, you know, is that the company you still want to work for after? Yeah, is it I, I wasn't interested. It's like, well, I can create and do anything and this can give me the freedom to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Why the hell would I keep doing this? Are, are we changing the game? Is the product revolutionizing people's lives? Is it entertaining them? Most people probably have some version of the McCannon brand in their house or in their factory or whatever and don't even notice it. It's the guys who- They only notice it when it breaks and then they don't even call us. They call the repair- The, the guy who installed it or- The guy who installed it. Or whatever, yeah. So, and the only reason our customer bought it is because we were within 5% of market price. <laughs> like, it's not like I was. we were creating anything that was fucking mind-bending. Yeah. So I, I had no desire to be in that. I, like the creativity was tapped. I did as much as I could with the limited knowledge that I had. And essentially we took a company and made it, uh, made it valuable. It yeah. was already valuable. We just kind of adjusted a few things. You, 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 you took a working. My dad did the fucking hard work, not me. No, yeah. Your dad started the company. He had to go get the clients and then, you know, maintain yeah, them. Which and then to me is the, the escape velocity is the hardest part. Yeah. That it's, getting clients like surprisingly like you know even if you're the new kid on the block like in our case with the brewery right we're the new guy we're coming in and whatever and a lot of places didn't carry our product at first because we didn't have an ipa because that was the thing that everyone was drinking was these new england style ipas and we're like well, that's not who we are you know we purposely started the brewery because we don't want to be like every other brewery that's just pumping out these ipas yeah so it's it's tough to get the clients and then to retain the clients and like your dad he started that and then you're now having to do like change the company's direction so that one because you know you're probably stressed dealing with just as stressed as he was yeah and i now i understand why he was so stressed because running it the way it was being run look if you're competing with a billion dollar company and selling for the same price yeah something is off yeah so he had to maneuver a lot of things and it was on like a, what are those lines there? The, you know, you're walking the tightrope. Tight yeah. And so he, he did a fantastic job of managing banks and managing this and managing cash flow, but it's a tremendous stress. And yeah. I knew that the only way to build the company into something like, how do you take a, a $20 million company and turn it into a hundred million dollar company or a $500 million company? That's what I'm interested in Yeah. because I can't just stay. Because if you stay, you die. There's no yeah. such thing as just like this. It's like that. Yeah. And I said, well, it would require injection, um, a cash injection from a bigger company or a, not even an investment company because you need know-how, but a big company that has other products that can put through the pipeline, that can give you engineering dollars yeah. to be able to produce something that's interesting. Yeah. And then I realized, well, the only way that can happen is if I'm not in my seat and someone else comes in my seat. 
Yeah. And that's that same week that I had that revelation, we got a knock on the door. Yeah. And and I'm so grateful and so thankful because that's that's a that was a situation where you make a decision based on data that you understand and is is not the popular decision for the surrounding people because everyone thinks what they want to think. Yeah. And they're like, well, why would they do that? It's crazy. You know, because everyone's so fucking tight for money and worried about money. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, this has the, they have this cash cow. Yeah. Why would you get rid of it? People, people will come to us when they found out when we first started the brewery. They're like, you're going to compete against Molson? It's like, why should Molson be the only beer brand out there? You know, like there should be competition, but it's also like, it's not like a David and Goliath kind of situation. There's two different markets here, you know, and like, we're going to start it off. And, exactly. And, and based on your business model, if your business model works for you, yeah, you can do anything you want. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Why would you have to compete against Molson? But these people don't understand anything about markets, about yeah. products, about sales, about running a business, marketing, nothing. <laughs> you think there's just one? <laughs> but to so, And then you just don't tell those people that. Yeah. Other people can't understand it because they don't, they're not living that, right? Exactly. And sometimes they probably don't have the drive to, to do something as radical as that, right? Like in your case, it popped into my head. I'm sitting there when you said you were, uh, you had sold the company and I was like, why is he selling the company? You know, like it's, it's steady income. He could still probably hire someone to take over. And then he, you know, he does his music and his, uh, yeah. cause at the I don't, I think at the time you were, you were starting like, Oh Mick, you know, like you yeah. were starting that you hadn't fully committed to Misho and yeah, Misho was like new. Exactly. So for you, so on my part, I was like, I don't think it's a good decision, but then having spoken to you and then like you said, you know, first you weren't happy. You were kind of like close to burning out in a sense, like you were, you, you, you had, you were fed up or whatever. Yeah. And then that I understood at that point, I was like, okay, I get it, you know? I And I, it wasn't just an emotion. Actually, it wasn't even an emotional thing. The numbers made no sense. Yeah. If we were growing, we were losing money. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's if anyone was sitting in my case looking at the numbers, <laughs> the only reason they'd hold on is for ego so that people think that things yeah. are amazing. But the, the stress versus the... I've made more money in the last two years after I've sold than I ever made when I was working there. So... And I invest in companies and make music. Yeah. So I, I, I knew that the money that I was going to get was, was going to go to way fucking easier, smarter decisions. Yeah. But do you also, like, for instance, when you would wake up in the morning, when you had the company, when you would wake up in the morning, were there ever, was there ever not a moment where you probably sat there and was like, fuck, I don't want to go to work today. You know, like, I'm going to stay home. Yeah, at the end, I didn't go for to work for a year at the end. Okay, but like before that, no, because I, I was pumped every single day. Okay. And as soon as I did my numbers and I looked at what it would realistically take to accomplish what I wanted to do, I said, I'm out. Okay. Because the resources that it would take, yeah. the rebuilding that it would take, the time. What do you think? I want to be 40, 50 years old trying to reinvent garage door fucking openers? Man, they open doors yeah. for buildings. If I'm not doing it, everyone else is doing. It's a saturated market. Yeah. I don't give a shit. You're telling me you can give me millions of dollars right now? Clear all that fucking shit? <laughs> walk away on top? Yeah. Why? Uh, 
fucking right I'm doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. so it wasn't, oh, I'm burnt out. Oh, it's like I'm stressed. No, it's like okay. this, I had clear eyes. You look at the numbers and you're like, the only way for this to make sense to me is if I fucking leave okay. and I cash out. Because or else it's holding, it's holding on to fucking <laughs> balancing this, a shitty cash flow business. Yeah. No matter how profitable it was, there was never fucking any cash. It's like, come on. I feel you. It, it was nonsense. The only, the only reason to hold on to it would be if you're afraid to show your competition what you're really doing. Okay. So, gotcha. And that's a human nature thing. People don't like numbers because numbers tell the truth. Yeah. All right. All right. So what are we doing right now? So right now we are going to enjoy the Karina. So hopefully it shows uh, in the right way. Okay. So um, what is the Karina? So this was um, our endeavor into making a sour IPA. So what the hell is a sour IPA? I don't know anything. <laughs> so an IPA is known as an India Pale Ale. Um, in this case, we added a special bacteria, or in this case, a special yeast that will sour the beer. So normally when you drink a beer and it's sour, if it's not a specific style, like a sour or Trappist or um, a Gosa or something like that, it means the beer's gone bad. But in this case, we purposely add in, in this beer, we use the yeast called the Philly Sour Yeast, which will create like a lactic acid uh, kind of sourness or acetic and a small amount of uh, like acetic acid sourness to the beer and still ferment it at the same time. So some beers have a bacteria that's added to it to purposely sour the beer to give it that tart kind of base puckering sourness. In our case, we use this, a yeast that does that and we did it with so an in, IPA. In layman's terms, because you, you just sounded like you were at a fucking beer convention <laughs> talking to a fellow microbrewer. We, we decided to experiment with flavors and a type of yeast. Okay, and, and so what kind of, what does Karina give us? What does it taste like if you were speaking to a layman like me or the trillions out there in the Galactic <laughs> Federation? I find it tastes a bit like orange juice with field berries, like wild berries in it. Orange juice, wild berries, <laughs> this is the Karina. What's the percentage? Six percent? You trying Seriously. to fuck, are you trying to fuck me? I could have brought the coffee start at right, 9%. Cheers, dude. cheers. Cheers, dude. All right, Cheers. first time I'm having a drink on the podcast. Fuck it. Oh, man, that tastes like candy. Yep. That's... That is so delicious. This is yeah. why you wanted to bring it out first. Exactly. Man, it tastes like like Starburst. I. You know what? I never even thought about that. So we'll, we'll, we'll send that message to the marketing team to market as Starburst. Yeah, like Star, Starburst used to have those drinks, right? Was it Start? Like there were these... Tropicana? Are you thinking no, no. Uh, Capri Sun? No, the, not the, Capri Sun. No? There was this drink that was, I'm sure it was a Starburst drink. Uh, no? no? Maybe you had it in- Like it was a fruit punch Maybe that had like a wild color. It was it. I'm pretty sure- Kool-Aid? Not Kool-Aid. <laughs> not Kool-Aid. Let me just uh, check. Because maybe you had it when you were in Arizona, right? Maybe maybe it was like an, uh, uh, an American thing. Yeah, yeah. Let me- No, no. It wasn't American. It was- uh, Let's see, uh, Tropicana drinks. Tropicana drink. Is it, am I nuts? Don't allow. Let's see. Look, we're we're doing this. <laughs> Tropicana drink, watermelon drink. Uh, something. No, it's not Tropicana. Starburst. Starburst drinks. I'll I'll see. I could be totally wrong. Because I don't remember. Because I remember Starburst came out with the fruit gushers at one point. The candies that had like 
supposedly real fruit juice on the inside. Look, I'll find out what it is, <laughs> but does anyone know there's these like there were these drinks that had like it looked very 90s and they were like purple or green. Nah, man. I sour burst. Uh <laughs> fuck, I got to find it. Uh No, nah, man. I uh, have no idea what you're talking about now. You lost fruit me. Fruit punch drink 90s. I'm going to find it, okay? <laughs> you ready? Drink 90s. Fruité? Was it the fruité? No, I, I don't know. I guess I'm fucking hallucinating. Or it's a, uh, what do you call it? Mandela effect. Okay, fuck it. Sorry about that, fellow time travelers. This is delicious. Yeah, so this was when actually... Am, when am I going to start feeling happy? Uh, four <laughs> sips in. When am I going to stop feeling sad? Um, I eight think dr if eight drinks in. Okay, eight sips in. <laughs> Uh, so this, folks, uh, in the Federation, this was my brother's recipe. He's the one that's been uh, working on the whole Galaxy beer lineup. So we had originally the NGC 2074. I like it. That was a double dry hopped IPA. Uh, so double, like dry hopping is just a, it's a technique where after the beer is more or less done fermenting, we throw more hops in there to get more like, uh, aroma and flavor out of the hops so it's almost like you know sprinkling more salt and pepper to like really jazz up the recipe it's that's what dry hopping is okay um then we came up with the karina we were like let's so make how come you made all these crazy names and then you came up with karina uh so all the names are based off of nebula in the galaxy well you're in the right place for that <laughs> and remember i called yeah, you, you up you i gave me a grace call or like a, a courtesy call yeah i gave you because like so, Tell the story to the to the design, to the trillions out there in the Federation. So Vera, who is not just our marketing, but she does all the can designs uh, and branding for uh, Luke's, and she's also uh, uh, a partner in the business. She she was working on the can design for the NGC, and she came up with that like psychedelic green and blue that, if you follow her on, in, on Instagram, you'll see it, and. She's like, mm, looks like too much like a space thing. And you at the time had just released, I think, Photon Love. Okay. So when we're working on the can and then she wanted to name it after Nebula too. So we're like, oh shit, this is way too close to me show. And like, we post things on your, on your page and you post on us. And like, so it's like, ah, fuck, I feel like we're going to be stepping on his toes, you know? And so you gave me a phone call. So I gave you a phone call and I was like, yo, look. <laughs> I this had is the best answer. I hope you remember it. I do. I'm getting to it. Okay. So, so like I call you up and I'm like kind of nervous. I'm like, fuck dude. Like by chance we're kind of, I feel like we're stepping on your toes for this design. We're doing like a galaxy class of IPA lineup. And your response was the galaxy is big enough for everyone. Yeah. I said it's big enough for the both of us. Yeah. Yes. So, no shit. So more space, the better. Exactly. So we can it, collab. Definitely. If, if that's a thing that you want, um, so, and now we just like have this fun with these IPAs. We have another one that's coming out very soon. Uh, all I could tell you, it, it tastes like a creamsicle. Wow. So we've got something like that coming up very soon. Uh, we're going to play around with different flavors. Um, the pina colada is going to be coming back for the summer months. So we, nice. we've got like... So what else do you have in the bag that perhaps we can show the Galactic Federation and whoever's in Montreal watching? Because you, you can't ship it, right? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Quebec alcohol laws are very antiquated. I can't even Old say that Old school. Word. Old school. There we go. Um, so you 
you can only buy our beer in Quebec right now. You could buy it from uh, retailers, depeneurs, grocers, or come to the brewery at 777 Avenue La Joie in Dorval. Perfect. Link will be in the description, fellow time travelers. Perfect. Uh, so you can get something like the Honey Brown. Here, I'll, as you talk about it, I'll throw it in my camera. It's a, very, it's a double screen. So what's the Honey Brown all about? So the Honey Brown is basically, um, it's an English ale, but we brew it with uh, honey. So we actually put real honey in there. And then we also uh, use a, a special malt, which gives like a residual honey flavor in the beer. Okay, so, so you're doubling sweet. up. Yeah. So we so is it sweeter than what I'm drinking right now? Um, I yeah, I would say so. Wow. Yeah. Good and God. then we have our number one seller. Oh, the Japanese I, lager. This to me is the most beautiful can you have. Um. So the story with this one was. So this is the Japanese lager. Yeah. So the story with this can was, uh, I used to like sushi a lot. Okay. Like I used to eat sushi, but Did you have a falling out. No, <laughs> I, the way I worded, it sounds like I yeah. had a falling out, but it's, it's more my wallet can't, can't afford my sushi consumption. Like I need to eat like, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of sushi to feel full. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll order sushi after yeah. this. And there's a restaurant, I don't know if it's still around because of COVID or I think whatever, but it was, used to, uh, it was Imadaki. They were on the corner of Atwater and St. Catherine Street. Okay. And I used to go there with my friends and family members and like we would get shit-faced off of sake bombs and I just eat like bowls of ramen noodles the whole time that I was there. And I always found that Sapporo was just like a generic beer. So I wanted to, I created the Japanese lager to be that like actual beer to pair with sushi and to consume yeah. with like Asian food. And when it came time for the can design, all I told Vera was, Vera, I want the cherry blossoms on there. You do whatever you want. She nailed it. That was her first attempt. It's fucking perfect. Did the font change of Japanese lager? That looks different. Um, Is that the original? That's the original. Okay. That's the original. I just love the way this can looks. It's beautiful. It's a light, crisp It's delicate. It's, it's very floral and aromatic. And too. it's your number one seller? It's our number one seller for the craft lineup. And I always say is that like, it's because it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like the, the rest are beautiful in their simplicity, but like almost, and well, because uh, this is not um, subtle. No. Right? Like you see it. Yeah. You see it right out of the gate. So in my, in my music, I like to make things that are not subtle. Yeah. I like to blast the audience because I need to, I want to be bold with my decisions. And like, this is bold. Yeah. And then, well, shit, I'm making too much noise. So it's like, uh, yeah, I, cause <laughs> I love talking about like branding stuff because I'm an, I'm an artist and yeah. I just love. And then like I brought it the other one, it's, this is our pale ale. Pale so ale. This one, I had fun with it because there was, um, when we first got started, there weren't any hops that were like indigenous to Canada. So hops were grown in Canada, but there was nothing like, you know, indigenous to Canada. And then when the time came for me to brew the pale ale, because I had an idea, there was two hops that were on the market that were had from been Canada. from Canada. One was called Sasquatch and the other one's called Lumberjack. So I blended them, those hops to this beer and- Sasquatch and Lumberjack, ladies and gentlemen. And with this beer, it's all Canadian ingredients. So why isn't there a fucking big Canadian flag on it? Don't tell me it's in the fine print on the line 14 in the back. Uh, no, but you know what I mean? I, 
that was a that was I think that was a decision that we made as a team that like it would just keep it simple for that one. It's that's like a good everyday beer. It'd be a good but test for Canada Day and make it fucking Canada flagged. <laughs> we should try that. Why not? Yeah. I to be honest, I I, I could be your art consultant. I at first I I was always against like the big tacky uh, packaging that a lot of other breweries do where they have like way too wild of an uh, a design or whatever, but I had asked my friend like to just quickly sketch up a Sasquatch punching a lumberjack to put on the can. Oh, and how'd that look? Uh, he hadn't fully finished it until COVID hit. And then we ha- were scrambling to, so it's, it was a bit of like a time crunch thing cause COVID hit Yeah, and we need, we needed to empty the tank. So we just needed to do something simple, but I, th- I still think that this can actually symbolizes the beer quite well. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It does. Look, it's it's all subjective. But a, a Canada a Canada thing that would say 100% Canadian pale ale. Yeah. Th- then boom, Canada's favorite beer. Look, I don't want to get too much into politics, but we we are in Quebec here, so like, you know, there's a reason oh, most Oh, yeah. There's a reason why most of Canadians only sold like in the West Island, you know? Like- well, maybe it's your <laughs> best-selling beer in the West Island. But you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? Cuz I look at it from an art perspective. Why does Elton John, Lady Gaga, Freddie Mercury, why do all these people look a certain, even James Hetfield? Yeah. They have a look. It's yeah. distinct. It pops. Yep. Because you got to be bold like that. You almost have to think of your product as, or yourself as an avatar. Yeah. That's why I got a spacesuit on. I'm not yeah. just wearing some normal thing. So, but this is, this is very cool. Space vibe. Yep. But like I'm saying, number one seller, take notes of why you think this might be fucking ripping. Other than it's delicious. People see it. Yeah. In my case, in my music, they see it before they hear it. They see yours before they taste it. Yeah. But that's just me. I, I get excited about this stuff. That's it. And then, like, we had partnered with um, the local coffee roaster, the guys uh, that are, like, down the street from us. And, uh, you know, we use our coffee and our coffee stout. So we also experiment with different flavors and, like I said before, different ingredients, right? It's always fun. It's like cooking. Beer yeah. making is cooking. The only thing is I only know the results like a week or two after I've brewed it because it takes that long to ferment. But you never put it out before you taste it, right? No, there's been <laughs> there's been recipes that like um, that we had to throw out just because the, no matter how much I tried to like fix it or add more to it, it just never turned out. So it had to go down the drain. We had a banana stout that we were trying to work on last. And you dumped it. That. We had to dump the whole thing. You know, we had like 700 liters and... Try as we might, we added more bananas. We boiled and like mashed bananas to throw in. We added some lactose to thicken it to act, like accentuate the flavor. Um, I think we even were even considering putting like banana essence in there, and then we're just like, you know what? No, no, no. At this point, like it's done. Down the drain it goes. Um, I've had uh, we were supposed to release a maple pecan ale for this spring because. In Canada, at least here in Quebec, you know, Cabana Stick season is a yeah. huge thing. And for some reason, the pecans weren't coming through. So, like, I tried boiling more pecans to put them in the beer. You're like, how many fucking pecans does it take? It took, uh, well, there was like eight kilos of pecans that went into a 300 liter batch of beer. And, and I still needed through. to add more. I still needed to roast more. It's like, it, yeah. So, it's, it is the name of the game. Like, how many times do you think Gordon Ramsay has had to cook? 
his beef Wellington to get it to where he's happy with it. But that's the nature of it. You got yeah. You got to dump things sometimes. I yeah. have songs that I've worked on that I've had to scrap that I don't put out. Uh, that's why you put it on like a, a limited edition yeah. deluxe beast, uh, exactly. B-side uh, record or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because, but, but, then, it, but then you never know because you're, you're so close to it that let's say yeah. you saved that banana beer and you tasted it three months later. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but you never know. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a gamble because, like, you've got now, let's say, we, let's say we went ahead with the banana, the banana stout. We have this product now, and, we're, and if we're not confident in it and we're sitting on it and hopefully, you know, it, it trickles out the door kind of thing, like, it's not worth it because it, it might not sell at all. It might be a hit, but it's, you know, at the time when you have to make that call to say, okay, we're putting it to market, that's, like, the, you know, that's the tough part. You know, it's... With yeah. the Japanese lager, I still think to this day, we've been brewing it for three years. I still think to this day, there's room for me to improve it. But I have to hear it from Matthew and Vera and yeah, yeah. you and my parents and whatever. Yeah, don't don't tell me it. it's 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 perfect. But I still it's, think I'm sure you probably feel like that with some of your music, some of your songs. You're like, there's something I could have done. Oh, yeah. To like, but everyone's telling you, dude, don't touch it. It's perfect. Yeah. But once and I, to me, that's always the process of mixing. Yeah. So mixing is when the song is done, it's complete. We send it to the mixer who listens to it with fresh ears and he puts it into his board and he compresses things and adds reverbs. And he, like, he really, he takes a 2D recording, turns it into a 3D recording. Yeah. And when he sends the mix back, it's like, okay, vol vocals are a little slow. This is all this. And it could go for a thousand revisions. And at yeah. a certain point, you're just like, you got to let it go. Yeah. And then once it's mastered and it's out and I listen to it two months later, it's like, it's perfect. By it's the way, great. boom, boom, boom. You like it? I am probably account for like half of the listens on that. Every yes. day to work. Just before, like as soon as really? I, just as soon as I get off on the 13 to the 520 to head to the brewery. Well, I'm glad you like it because I don't even know if I'm a fan of it. Maybe because I've heard it too much. But, I mean, even before I think Jules had recorded Done her parts. Her parts you had played me what you had. So like by the time you played me what you had, you probably had already heard it like a million times before that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you had what the vision was in your head of what you wanted it to sound like too, so. Yeah, it, it really took a, a bunch of shapes and forms and I've heard it so much that I'm desensitized, but when I listen back, I'll, I'll, I'll know. But now it's still too close. Yeah, because like in my case, one of the, like I'm, I don't go out and do the sales at all, right? I think I went on one sales run once and it was more just to do a delivery. Um, but the one time I said to myself, holy shit, like we kind of made it, you know, like I think we made it was I was walking downtown at the old port just across um, Notre, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral and there's a depth that we sell. And so to the trillions out there who might not know what a dep is what is a dep it's a convenience store it's a corner store that's it's what like, we call a convenience store yeah. in in montreal in, in quebec. quebec so it's like you could go in and most of them are you know like the you go buy your cigarettes your beer your magazines or sort of popsicle or whatever and this one that we were selling that our product was in is more like a cafe it's called le petit dep uh i forgot i'm not too familiar with my orientation downtown but it's Don't right across, it's right across the, the people listening are not yeah. even from montreal so who gives a fuck well, in case you can they, make this all up this you know in case they decide to teleport here or uh yeah what, what's the uh transport means of transport in the, the federation it's the human body the human body the okay. human body is the machine okay 
But if they physically want to be here, like how do they get from Quasar 4 to Earth? Okay, well, uh, (laughs) I I can't actually, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. Understood. All right. You'll have to tune into the comic book. (laughs) Okay. So, because once it's out, I'll figure that out. (laughs) Fair enough. Wing it till you you have to. Yeah. Yeah, Perfect. Wing it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm walking down uh, downtown, going to a party. This is pre-COVID, when you know social gatherings can happen. When and, you can advertise the parties you were going to. <laughs> yeah, when you could fucking hug people. Like, yeah, listen, man, I'm hugging people. It depends. For me, it depends on the person. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Not hugging a random dude on the street. Like. Yeah, I've been hugging. Uh, I've been hugging strangers. That's what I've been doing. You do you. <laughs> you do you. So. Um, so I'm walking downtown. I'm walking right across the, the cathedral and across the street is this uh, cafe Depp or whatever and out walks like a group of four people and they each have a different can of Luke's in their hand. And at that point, it, like I'm going, so I'm going to You're a party. fucking par- mainstream, man. Like I'm going to a party now. I've got it in my head. Like I'm in the zone. I'm going to party. I'm going to drink and it's summertime, get fucked up kind of thing. You know, it's the weekend. And I see four people with my product in their hand and like i had this realization like holy shit people are actually buying it because like before product was leaving the brewery and that's it you know that's that's all i saw but now seeing someone with it tangibly in their hands i'm like fuck this feels good man this is what it could feel like you know like you make that's amazing man yeah that 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 must be the most rewarding feeling in the world yeah and going to a random place and seeing people walk out with your your fucking beer exactly it's 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 amazing and i just had a visual this, you were, you were, this one again, you were saying that we're in Quebec, right? And so Canada, Quebec, not so hot. This would be an example. If you made this the Canada flag, it would be your example of taking the, the input jack out. Yeah. John Abbott College, McGill, yeah. Concordia. Concordia, all these things. Literally, the Canadian beer, they'd fucking destroy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean in terms of branding and, and taking yeah. a risk? Because if you're everything, you're nothing. Because like but another another thing we did at the brewery was like, okay, our Karina and our IPAs are in the 473s. Yeah. So 473 ml. But we made a decision and I was against it because we started all our beers in 473s or 16 ounces. So 473 cans. is the tall versus yeah. the small. 355. And I only remember 355 because of the 355 Ferrari. F355. <laughs> my favorite. So for us, like we had originally started with the tall cans. And then um, it was a decision amongst the team to switch to the smaller cans. And I was against it. I was like, no, I think we should stick to it. But we made, we, we switched to the smaller cans for everything non-IPA. And people, some people hated it, you know? And we're, and, and we they had- They hated the small cans? Yeah, they're like, oh, I want big cans. And you know what? Small cans worked for us in the, in the long run. So it's like- You gotta do go- what works for you. Yeah. Exactly. Have your sales gone up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So keep doing because, and did the people who hate the small cans, were they already customers? Some of them were. Well, of course, because no one likes you to pull the rug under them and change what they're used to. Exactly. Now, I don't know if these people are still buying our product or they're like, you know what? They switched the format. Fuck them. We're not, we're not doing it. Listen, man, it's By okay. Way, You're going to lose. You can't have everyone as your customer. That's a fallacy. Yeah. That's insane. I... I think that's one of my flaws is that I want to appease everyone. Yeah, because I, I hear you projecting that. And it's understand that the companies that did not appease to everyone are the, the successful ones. 
Tesla sold a fucking $150,000 electric car to a very specific market yeah. that didn't appeal to fucking anybody except that specific market, and they're dominating. They're a leading fucking yeah. car manufacturer now. They yeah. didn't do everything to everyone. They didn't have every fucking... They, they didn't reinvent the wheel. Because electric cars had been around. They reinvented the engine. <laughs> I don't know. Not, not even, not even, I think because electric cars have been around just as long as gasoline cars. But this is, this is actually, but what, but this what is going to take us on a good way. But I think good. what, I think what's made Tesla so su successful, because like before that, did you ever see like other electric cars? They look like futuristic bubble, like, they look like giant Pac-Man cars, you know, like they didn't, they didn't have. They made them ugly. Yeah. They purposely made them ugly so they don't sell, so they could still stick to. Producing well, gasoline. Yeah. Gasoline or diesel engines. And then Tesla comes around and I feel like he, Elon Musk was just like, why don't we actually make a car that looks like a car, but That's it's good. electric. Yeah, but but to say, what else did he do? He focused. Did he start a gas company and make one electric car like every other one was doing? No, he was narrower. So when he started, people were saying that he was insane because no one was going to buy that because yeah. it would appeal to no one. Yeah. But the smaller the amount you appeal, the smaller and stronger your community is, the more they become your advertising source and then make it mainstream. Yeah. So in the marketing curve, there's the the innovator, then there's the first movers, and then slash early adopters. But yeah. what makes it mainstream is that the cool people who who got into this make it popular for everyone else yeah. and they make it they become your advertising source. If you're going into a company trying to trying to uh, appease the, the the late adopters or the laggards because that's where you're trying to appeal to everyone. Yeah. You'll never have anything that appeals to anybody. Well, and in the end, the result with Tesla, right? He, uh, I don't know. It's been like over 10 years that Tesla's been producing the yeah. Model, a, uh, Model X or S. S. Or it's been 10 years and now, and then like five years ago, they came up with the Model 3. And look what happened because all he did was pre-sold too. They're pre all pre-sold. Pre-sold. My cousin actually has a Model Three. I was, it suits her and it looks great and she's happy with it, you know. But I think the end result that Tesla did was Ford now is even electrifying the Mustang, this, the the most iconic American muscle car. Ford came out and said we're making it electric. And so why do you think they're doing that? You think because the Mustang sales are fucking through the roof or they need a new strategy? They need a new strategy. It also helps that a lot of governments are now incentivizing electric cars. But Ford taking the most iconic muscle car. I want to I wanna have, to this day, I still want to have a Mustang, a V8, you know, supercharge that sucker. Your dream, though, is not that, though. It's a, a uh, Camaro. A Camaro, okay. Camaro. It's that, my dad, it's that Greek in you. It's that 1978 <laughs> fucking Saint Laurent Greekster in you. Exactly. Because my dad had a Camaro. I need to have a Camaro. So did my dad. I thought your dad was more Trans Am. He had both. Okay. But so for me, like I've, you know, as much as it pains me to say, I still look at like a Camaro and I even every so often I go spec it out to see the price. So like I know what targets I need to hit for the brewery to yeah. get it. But it's just like Tesla didn't change anything in terms of what the car is he changed the whole market in the end result the market has changed now because volkswagen's coming out with all electric fleet honda is but, yeah like all these car companies he was ahead of the curve like he he, he he almost proved the model you always have to have a pioneer to exactly. prove the concept and then everyone else follows how many times did you hear in the news tesla's failing because you know they're they're like 
11.59 at midnight and that that's going to be called at, at, at midnight, you know? Like, because he, yeah, they're but not that's making a, sales. That's a, but Elon Musk got big balls. Yeah. He believes in what he's doing. But the end result, though, like all that stress that he was going through to start up Tesla and to get it to where it is today, he, he not only made a successful car company, he's, I, he's, he does some things that I don't agree with, but that's like other things. But he's made a successful car company that has now changed the entire car industry. How about I, SpaceX? I think it's cool. Um, he's making space travel cheaper. He's like, landing them instead of blowing them up in the fucking sky. Granted, though, a lot of the rockets don't really make it back sometimes. Like, yeah, but that's that's called R and D. Yeah. So until it's until the the until the. Yeah, but that's like saying you're learning how to play guitar without fucking up the song. There's just bigger stakes. Where I'm going with it is, I'm only going to fly on a rocket that can return to space or return to Earth um, when the chances of it not blowing up are like, you know. Well, but it's early I, days. It's yeah. like, yeah. But what he's doing is he's advertising where normal people would never talk about yeah. it. But he's using them as but NASA's using marketing. It. NASA just launched one of uh, some astronauts into into the ISS, the International Space Station, with a uh, Falcon X rocket. That's Tesla, I think. Yeah, right? or, of course uh, it's Elon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, Tesla, spa yeah, it's, it's SpaceX. SpaceX. And, but why are they using SpaceX? Because NASA's been sleeping since they went to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Yeah. So I I love that he's a he's a groundbreaker. He does all these things. And also their dealership model. They own their dealerships. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the because that's there's a lot of car dealerships are fucking greasy. I don't care how good you are, it's like, it's it's a racket, man. In so in my family, we drive a car till literally it's just held together by like the wheels and a few bolts. Like you know, we, we don't change cars often. But your family, like you guys, are car guys. Your dad was a car guy. Your you yeah. I think your brother's more than you. Like, yeah, well, I, I love cars. I really do. But I only want to celebrate with like a new car. Like once my new business endeavors, like really start banging. Like yeah. if, if like me showing the fifth dimension goes and I'm going to get a McLaren or I'm going to get something crazy. Okay. But uh, all that to say, yeah, we love cars. So you guys, and we never hold on to anything too yeah, long. But you guys had to deal with dealerships constantly. Right, and then you go in and you're trying to haggle a deal and this. And no, that actually, and never. No, I've just... never had to deal with dealerships because our leasing company that we used, okay. well, we honestly never had a car long enough okay. to ever even really have to go to dealership. Because okay. like, I I just hate that whole. I thing. went from a Porsche GT3 <laughs> to a Prius. To a Prius. Yeah. and let me tell you, the customer service with Toyota versus Porsche was a completely different ballgame. Porsche, it was like trying to. I don't know if it was the particular dealership. I don't want to talk about all Porsche dealerships. But service from Toyota, 12 out of 10. Service <laughs> with Porsche, I had to convince him that the sounds I was hearing were real and not a figment of my imagination. And he was like a fucking, yeah, he was like trying to fucking scam me. Yeah. And you would think too, the price tag too, like if you're paying, I don't know, what was the uh, the Porsche you had at the time was like, what, 150 more? 150 plus? Yeah, $200,000 fucking Porsche GT3. And you would think that they would have some sort of customer service like, okay, let's humor this in, guy, put it in the, the back. The brakes would squeak. And I know with high-performance ceramic brake cars, yeah. the brakes squeak. And he's like, uh, I'm like, is there any way to fix that? And he's like, no, man, that's what it is. There's nothing we can do. That's how it is. Meanwhile, your Prius. My Prius, you could... could Toyota could, produces... Could the, the Prius can drive through your living room and you won't hear it. 
But the Prius, Toyota produces 40,000 of these things a year, minimum, probably oh, a month. Way more than that. A month, yeah. 40,000 a month. And maybe one's a lemon that well, they then take back, no question asked. Toyota and Honda, came, they're both Japanese companies. Yeah. They came here in the late, in mid-70s. Something like, yeah. yeah. And they dismantled the American car manufacturers because they sold cars that worked. Yeah. They built cars with the lean manufacturing Six, Sig six Sigma process yeah. that made sure that the quality control was way up to par. Not only did they sell cars that were more fuel efficient, but that worked better, they were cheaper. They were cheaper and they were easy to and what, repair. And what did the car manufacturers say? Americans are never gonna buy Japanese cars. Yeah, lower that price. <laughs> See, the Japanese, yeah. they work with data. Yeah. That's why I work with Trin as my business consultant. Asian people, man, they're data. It doesn't <laughs> fuck. They fucking spreadsheet hard. Our sales guy, Chinese guy. Fucking right. Hong Kong, you, a like Greek he's... and a Chinese yeah. is the ultimate fucking lethal weapon. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. So I think. And, and Tesla. Yeah. He Your was... car's fucked. 80% of the time, software update. Yeah. You don't even have to go. Come that's, on. That's man. beauty. There's no. <laughs> Come on. Uh, it's not yeah. even fair. Yeah. But that's it. And like. With the... My mom had a uh, like a 2007 Honda uh, Honda CRV. That thing, I remember that beast. That was she gone? Oh, rest in peace. Since someone, when? Someone slammed last it to, couple of years. Uh, last year, someone slammed it to the front of it and had to go to the scrapyard. Oh, that hurt. But uh, it's in the fifth dimension. Yeah. Now. <laughs> but uh, that car was great because again, Honda. I can go to Canadian Tire and just get any spare part that I needed to fix that thing myself like that's yeah. that's the beauty of certain manufacturers or whatever or certain companies like they still make things that could be fixed you know yeah. nothing burns me more than if i buy like phones today you know at one point apple you can fix the broken screen yourself you just have to get the special tapcon screw or whatever it was called and you can fix it yourself but now they make it that if your your screen cracks you have to send it to them to fix it Right, and that kind of burns me a bit because I like to tinker with things. Yeah, you're a tinkerer, and you have the algorithm of a tinkerer. That's why you have a Samsung phone. Yeah, I'm not inherently a tinkerer. I'm more of a clean lines, don't fuck with it kind of thing. Like if a pump breaks at the brewery, I try to fix it myself before calling someone. Calling someone. Yeah, because you have because that's in your nature. Yeah, my brother went. He he just sold his Ferrari. Yep. He sold. He traded it for a McLaren. That's so. That's what he did. I thought. I always thought he was getting a an Aston Martin, but I know he used to have an. He Aston. used to have an Aston Martin, but when he removed his exhaust because he got a, a custom exhaust or a aftermarket yeah. exhaust to put the original back on, he brought it to Ferrari to fix something. And they said, "Oh, you're missing a spring for the exhaust. It's seven grand, or so, you know something crazy like that." And my brother's like, "What?" Seven grand, and he called Pasquale at Lamborghini Montreal. He's like, "Yo, Pasquale, do you have any of those Ferrari springs that you took?" He's like, "Bro, bro, I got a fucking old box full. I'll just send you a couple for free." <laughs> but like, why? Why does it have to be seven grand? Is because it it's it's those old. It's it's an old school thing, and as these new Tesla type companies emerge, yeah. which I I always call them the Ubers versus the taxis. Once yeah. something with a a a cleaner operation, one that suits the customer more than it does head office, they're just going to dominate. And and as long as you can keep providing value to your customers better than someone else can, yeah. you're always going to be winning. And that's what the beauty of evolution of technology is. 
everything is really based on how much easier you can make it for your customers. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do in the garage door business as I wanted to make things so seamless that anyone could plug it together. Anyone could get it started. But like I said, to test it and develop it took yeah. millions of dollars. And plus when your organization has been running things a certain way and the industry runs a certain way, not worth yeah. my time. Well, yeah. Cause like Elon managed to start up Tesla because he had sold or still had his shares in, uh, PayPal. He sold PayPal. He sold PayPal. So, uh, and what I love, and that can really resonate with PayPal. Sorry to cut you off. He sold it, and he put a hundred percent of his money that he made into Tesla and SpaceX. Yeah, and he had no cash flow. Yeah, he he like he had to ask his friends for money. Yeah, that's why, like I said, there was like a, a, so many times you hear in the news before Tesla, I think even showcased the the Model Three. Like Tesla was always like at least every quarter it was always on the verge of bankruptcy for the longest time because it was like- Yeah, it, look, it, it gives me a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, not solace is the bad one. It gives me a lot of comfort because honestly, that's as planned as I am. I believe in my future that I'm making. I yeah. believe in the companies I'm investing and all the stuff. But sometimes there's days where it's like, things are looking a little too lean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. then something happens and it's like, oh, we can breathe. Yeah. Like- but that's the entrepreneur world. Yeah, it's always how many like days that. where it's like, ooh, oh. uh, the credit card's kind of maxed out. I don't know if we'll fucking afford our barley today. It it's happened where a pump has broken. The one pump we have that to do a specific task, right? Because in our case, like some pumps are only used for the water because of the temperature requirements and stuff like that. And it's happened that well, my pump shit the bed, and I had to wait for spare parts to come in. But I didn't have the cash to buy the spare parts, so I had to go and ask a family member to loan me some cash to, y yeah. to, to fix the pump. And so I can, fuck, it sucks, but you gotta do it sometimes. Oh man, like when you, like, <laughs> it is probably the most stressful is having to ask a, like a friend or family member, I'm trying to do everything right, but all these things happen at the same time to lead to the perfect storm of, I got zero in the bank, I need, like 50 bucks to be able yeah, to just- And it's so much worse for us to ask. Yeah. But, it, and for them, they're like happy to help. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no big deal, man. Yeah, but you're just like- I know, cause it's our, it's our pride. Yeah. It's, it's our pride. We, the, ne we never, we never want to be the people to ask for something. Yeah. Almost I, in a limiting fashion. There, there have been so many times where I had to have Matthew and Vera jump in and be like, Thomas, I think you need a day off, you know, because you're not actually doing anything at this point. So- and I was too prideful. I was like, no, I can handle everything. I can work seven days a week for months on end. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you when you were doing that. Yeah. And you looked like you lost 50 pounds. I wasn't eating. I, people, would, people would do their intermittent fasting for like the 12 hours or whatever. I was literally doing like 20 hours of intermittent fasting. I would scarf a meal yeah, at supper. You, and like you look healthy now. Yeah, because I- Was it six months ago? Remember when I came in? I think maybe it was November uh, when my friends passed away that day. Like yeah. I found out when I was with you. Yeah. Rest in peace, man. Rest in- and side note, well, you were super skinny then, right? Yeah. That, you were fucked up skinny. Yeah. But it's funny. When I went to go take a, take a piss downstairs, <laughs> I was thinking about Annabelle. And Annabelle is, is Ryan's wife. And I was thinking, like, we did the podcast. And I, when, when her fucking husband passed away, I was asking if I could post the podcast, like, busting balls. And I was just thinking, man, I should probably apologize because... That was fucked up. I shouldn't have even bothered her at all. Yeah. When I came back up, I looked at my phone. 
she had texted me. I haven't heard from her since then. And she texted me, said, hey, love, can you send me uh, the songs that we wrote together? Yep. And all that to say is like, uh, there's a weird, we are more uh, there's, connected than yeah. we think. Yeah. But continue on to where you were about, we were talking about asking. Uh, yeah, so it's like, this is a message to anyone of your followers, your listeners, uh, even your even your brother's listeners. I drank the whole beer, by the way. I'm all, I, I've been pacing myself because, you know. Yeah, I'm a fucking lightweight. <laughs> but um, sorry if I just burped into the mic. It's okay, man. We're drinking <laughs> beer. We're men here. But uh, this is to all your followers and everyone. The trillions. The trillions. You're going to start a business. Know your limitations and accept your limitations. I think that's the biggest thing that gets to everyone going into business. You know, I've seen it with my father with the restaurant like when times were good he was working like seven days a week because he needed to make sure things were rolling smoothly even though he had business partners when times were tough it was the same thing you know he was the boss he was going to the restaurant at like 6 30 in the morning and coming home at like eight o'clock at night that's for him it was a half day and it's like <laughs> what the fuck are you doing and how did that go for him for that Jimmy? heart attack at 45 years old stressed out until you know COVID hit and he's like okay i think that's it we're done yeah you know but Pride is both a good thing to have, but it's also, I think, the biggest... You got to be aware of it. Yes. You got to let it help you and not destroy you. Exactly. But I think a lot of people get stuck in the pride aspect, like too, with too much pride, and then they can't let go of certain things. Like, it was hard for me to realize that I might need to take a day off once in a while for my brother to brew a batch so that I could take a day off to, like, fucking do my laundry, go grocery shopping, you know? Yeah. To relax. That was do your hobbies, pull a whack, you know. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Exactly. I, by the way, I'm master of my own domain, but <laughs> <laughs> master of my own domain. Seinfeld. Okay, fucking love that. Uh, but it's I think so. This is the message I'm trying to say to everyone. It's like pride is a a, a tool to use, but also know that it's a weapon against you. Yeah, and it's it, the, it's that balance. You got to be aware. Yes. You got to be aware when it's helping and when it's hurting. Exactly. But also when someone comes to you and says, dude, I think you're overworked. Like you look like shit. You look like you haven't slept. You look like you were on a cocaine bender and you don't do you cocaine. You look like you had AIDS when I saw you. I, I look I, like shit. You look like you weighed 115 pounds. I, how much I, did you weigh? I honestly. And you're like six I was foot, like, right? I was like 135. I look like how, shit. How tall are you? Six foot? About six foot. Like, Depending on the time of day, I'm like five eleven or you're six, six foot. foot. You're six foot. I, I, I'm I'm five eight when there's a good there's a cool breeze. There's a there's a nice breeze and I'm on a I'm on a mountain top and there's sun shining on me. I'm five eight. Or a lower gravity planet, your spine's not compressed. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, you're a six foot guy and at one thirty five, that's yeah. fucked up. I look like shit. You got to be at least one fifty right now, right? Yeah, at my peak, like this was university days, was solid diet of beer and nachos. I was one seventy five. And I was working out at that point too, but like I, when we saw each other in November and unfortunately the day that the lost, we found out the news about the, not the, no, not no, the, no, lost, the lost boys, boys are alive. Uh, my, my LA crew, the LA, crew. the Pelican, the and Pelican. Brady. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I think that was like, I, I had hit like rock bottom in terms of my personal health, you know, um, it was out of control. I, I, there that was, was before you brought on the new sales guy. Yeah. It was six months into COVID-ish. Yeah. Six, eight months. Yeah, something like that. The business had been struggling, like all businesses during COVID. You know, the uncertainty, um, 
just also the lack of social interactions because of lockdowns and yeah. And so it's like you get whatever. into this weird funk. Yeah, exactly. That, that just keeps spinning. Exactly. And so I had reached a, a low point, let's say, in my health, and and then it was just like a matter of like, okay, I had um, the Vera and Matthew sat me down and said, Thomas, like, if you need some time, take it or whatever. Or I think it was more we instituted that like, you know. If you feel you need to take a day off, just take it. You don't need to justify to the rest of us that you need a day off to like recoup and and. And really, reset. everyone's cool with it. Yeah, the big stress is on our own shoulders. Because to be honest, I felt like even even though my brother knows how to brew and Vera can help him if he needs the help, like if my brother can handle brewing, no problem. The guy is a fucking whiz at it, just as much as I am. And you know that the more you allow him to do it, the better he gets, right? Exactly. <laughs> but some part of me couldn't give him that opportunity because it was like, what if this goes wrong or what if whatever, yeah. you know, like the, the that, what if. It's that voice in our head yeah. that is its sole purpose is to keep us where we are because we didn't experience death today. So in terms of the way it interprets data, that subconscious voice that we have, it wants to, when you're, especially when you're in low reserves, yeah. its voice becomes very loud and all it tells you is, no, no, you need to control it. You need to do it. You need to stay. And what that in essentially is telling you is do the opposite of what that fucking voice is telling you. Yeah. Because once that voice becomes loud and takes away abilities from other people and destroys you more, it's nonsense. It just means yeah. you're fatigued. You yeah. have inflammation. Time to go take a fucking nap. Yeah. Like like the beautiful days that we had, you know, when we would fake a stomach ache and we would watch Wheel of Fortune. No, no. No, no. Uh, Price is right. Price is right. Price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> I used to love the Price is Right. But yeah, they sat you down and, and yeah. you did your thing and now your brother gets better. He gets more empowered. Exactly. Like the people that we think that we're helping by doing more, we're actually hurting. Yeah. Because we're, we're... We're putting stress on them because we're, we're... And we're disabling their evolution and their progress. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing I had to learn was like by almost like poisoning my body by overworking myself, I'm actually putting more stress on Vera and Matthew because one... They're concerned about me just as much as I'm concerned about their So you're stressing them. You're reducing their vibe. Exactly. And then hypothetically, let's say I, yeah. I, I fucking break my back doing something and I'm out for three weeks now because I overworked myself and I'm- They're worse off. They don't have the training to do what you were doing. Exactly. Because you never allowed them. But you have that awareness. Yeah. That's a magical thing. And it took, and it took like also going to see a therapist to talk about these things because sometimes you need that third party who doesn't know everything. I'm with Vera and Matthew almost 12 hours a day. They don't even have true perspective on you. They can just know when it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, he needs a break. Exactly. But I'm with them at the brewery like 12 hours a day, let's say, Monday to Friday. And so they see the stress. They're going through the same stress that I'm going through on a lot of things. And sometimes you need that third party, whether it's a friend or in this case, because of COVID, I couldn't really see friends. So I was seeing a therapist through Zoom or whatever. But that's fantastic because you're getting... You're letting it out. It's perspective. Yeah. And they're giving you an objective thing. Yeah. And objective so, view. And the, the crazy thing is like a lot of people are like, oh, therapists are, you know, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. It's like, I learned. Who the fuck says that? I've heard people. Someone who, who obviously is is ignoring their own fucking mental yeah, health. But I, because the, the thing about therapists is like just talking to them, you start hearing sometimes what you're saying. And it's like, that sounds like bullshit. What I just said, just that, yeah. that I justified in my head, I said it out loud to you and it sounds 
terrible. Like it sounds it's, like it, some beta shit. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck did I just say? And then you're like, oh, I guess I, I overthought that or whatever. And it, you know, and it's, it, and going through something like that allowed me to retool myself and learn my limitations and also learn to appreciate that the company is not going to blow up physically or literally if I'm not there. If I'm not there for a day because I decided I needed a day off, I know that it's still going to run. That if a task needs to be done, Matthew could step in to take it or Vera can. Totally. Or vice versa. So that was, I think, the hardest thing for me. And that's what led me to overworking myself was that I always needed to be there. Absolutely. And there, like, there's that component. There's you saying it out to someone who's third-party objective. And you, you just saying it, realizing how bizarre it sounds. You experiencing your father and seeing how life has treated him when he worked too much, too crazy. Yeah. So all these things just come into alignment for you, and, and it, you're allowed to make, like it allows you to make your own uh, realizations that allow you to use the data of the past to improve your movement in the forward, in the future, right? Yeah. And that, that and yeah. So now, like we, uh, we, we make it a point that, like, on our day is off, like you know, unless something bad happens, like someone's injured at the brewery. No access, like, no calling. Don't don't go to the brewery at all, for whatever reason. Like, But that's great. That, that And I'm sure your parents are so proud because you are working in a next level. Like you yeah. are the evolution of the of the way. Yeah. And, that, and your parents are an evolution of where they came from. Yeah. And where they came from was an evolution of where they came from. So it's, it's a beautiful... It's growth a, yeah, process. Exactly. And it's it's rewarding. Yeah. It's rewarding. It's it's possibly like besides the university, because university was fun and exciting just because of the drinking and the partying with the the squadron of doom uh Yeah, yeah. But and we had a good time. Oh yeah. But this business venture has been the most rewarding, the most stressful, yet the most enlightening. Well, you gotta pay a play, years. right? Yeah. It's been the most enlightening five years of my life. And would I redo it? Absolutely. Because it was fun. It, I learned more. You never know what to expect. Exactly. No day is the same. I, the one thing I wish in hindsight I did was pay attention in high school chemistry. Because holy shit, there's so much chemistry that plays into beer making that I should have oh, paid attention yeah. to. Well, hey, okay, it is what it is. Yeah. But no, I get it. And that's that's the most beautiful thing. Like you're... The stress is is the payment for the reward of the fun. Yeah. Right? You got always got to pay to play. You don't get anything for free. Exactly. And, and that's a beautiful thing, man. And you're doing it different. And it's and you know, we've we have fun with it too now. We have sometimes the liberty like um to kind of change up the brand. Not change the brand, but like evolve it. Try evolve new things. the brand. Get fun. Remember my brother last year was doing the mixology with Matt videos? Yeah, I love those. People would stop him on the street. And say, yo, you're Mac Matt from Mixology Fucking or whatever. Fucking right, yeah, man. You make an impact. Exactly. So it's fun things like that. Like the baking with Vera. Baking by the with, way, yeah. By the way, I'm forcing her to make some of those pretzels. They were fucking delicious. I'm going to bring you some. Okay. They were some of the best Vera, pretzels. And I, I know Vera's going to watch this or listen to this. <laughs> and she better. I know she will because this one should be the experiment of the fucking Canadian flag, all right? <laughs> you want to talk branding? Uh, let's talk branding, baby. Vera, this is for you. Let's do it. Because normally I fucking talk to Balukas about it. But let's have some fun, man. Let's have some fun. I'll co-finance the fucking ex <laughs> the thing. Let's, let's make it happen, all right? Vera, I'm talking to you. But that's it. So it's like 
having fun like that too. I love coming to your brewery because it's such a good vibe. I love having you there because like, I have one beer, I'm fucked. <laughs> I sit there, we philosophize, and I talk shit, and then yeah. I leave. But then you also taste some of the beers that are uh, still not on the market. Uh, yeah, yet. I get you, the R and D. I play you the songs that yeah, are not out in the market exactly. yet. Exactly. I love that's, that. That's fun. That's it. So it's it, it's it's always been a very fun and rewarding experience, and it's growing. Yeah. Right, it's, it's growing, it's getting stronger, it's getting yeah. better, more customers. I, I honestly think that one thing that, that like affected my mood about it was there was a stagnation in the company and it was, to be honest, it was, I think, on my part, part of it was on my part because I was too afraid of the risk-reward kind of scenario, you know? Like every decision you make in business, there's a risk-reward to it. But I was always very like apprehensive on a lot of changes, you know, like I said before with the, the changing of the can sizes and some other things. But at some point, you know, like... Let it be. Yeah. Let it be the river. Exactly. What's the worst that can happen? We're done? What's... Like, probably not. No, but you know, like that, like the worst case scenario is it's done. Yeah, so so it's almost like a lesson in in understanding that your your gut reaction towards a new experience is probably nonsense. It's probably your subconscious mind, which is comfort comfortable in the yeah. current paradigm. That is because like our body likes homeostasis; it likes to be where it is. Yeah, I'm probably the poster child for that. That's why it's not. That's why it's not easy to change because we have thoughts and rationalizations that are limiting beliefs. But those limiting beliefs are just to show us that our ego is working. Yeah. And it's saying, well, you're venturing off to a place that I have no data on, so I'm going to try to convince you otherwise. But if you can use your rationalization or your, your rational mind, your logic and some numbers and say, yes, an educated guess, I can move forward. But you have been doing it. Yeah. And that's it. And it's, it's um, man, I, I wish <laughs> I wish I could go back in time, hopefully soon with the Federation's uh, technology. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping that, like, you know, I just, sometimes the, I wish I could go back in time and just tell myself it's going to be okay. Like, don't worry about well, it. You actually, know, like, actually you can, and then we're going to do this right now. Okay. Okay. So think of time as non-existent. Okay. Okay. So what you were then and what you are now is all connected in the same loaf of bread. The years are just slices of that loaf of bread. Okay. We think they're, and within those slices are micro slices, which are the days. But if you look at the whole, let's say you're here right now. Let's say you're here. And the beginning of the brewery was here. All you have to do right now is think that thought, talk to your past self, and it's going to actually connect because it is the same organism. Yeah. And then okay. you'd be like, dude, it's going to be real good. <laughs> be like Thomas Belukas, Earth date, February 15th, 2017. Life will be great. Life is great. And that's essentially how it works. We yeah. got we got crazy there, but uh but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's a fun little Yeah. I think Because you're acknowledging that now. Yeah. Which means the work is done. That's it. Cause like one of the to be honest, um I mentioned about like how rewarding it was seeing those people buy the the cans. Yeah. Another rewarding aspect is that I've had friends come to me and say, Thomas, you've inspired me. And I was like, me? Of all people, like me, like, you know, like it's because you started a brewery. So I took that and I'm starting my art 
you know, going into painting and selling paintings or uh, going into music. There's other people I know that are doing music besides you. But it's like, you know, hearing this and I'm just like, fuck, just from from starting a brewery if that was a hobby of mine, these people are now turning their hobbies into a business venture. And it's like, and they're using me as an inspiration that to get started. That is a started. definition of time travel. Because what is a time traveler meant to do? Meant to be the sunlight around the people there to inspire them. Okay. And that's what you did, Thomas Belukas. You started your brewery, you're going through the grind, and you inspired people to try their own thing and create. Yeah. And do something and build. So that's it. You're yeah. a fucking time traveler. I guess I am. You are. Well, what's my title again? It's Lieutenant Commander? Yeah, Lieutenant Commander of the... Uh, Ninth Fleet? The Ninth Fleet. <laughs> yeah, good. I was testing you. Make sure you knew. I was testing you if, I, if you knew. Of course I knew. I created the universe. I'm fucking Gene Roddenberry, bro. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a doctor. All right, so we're two, we're two minutes ten in. What do you want to do here? Two minutes ten, two hours, you mean? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> two minutes, two hours. Like, no, no, uh, two hours, ten minutes in. So what do we do next? I don't know. Do we have a beer? One more. One more. I'm into it. Fuck it. We're All with right. Luke's Brew, yep. the beer king of Quebec. <laughs> uh, I think honey brown. All right. I'm, I'm feeling the honey brown. Cool, dude. Honey Brown next. So we, should we do something so that, like, you're not allowed to send beer, right? Commercially. But can you send, like, a sample? It's very tough. Like, you can't like, just, like, ship it? No. We can't ship beer. So, like, every time we've done promotions. Like, what if I ship a beer? <sighs> you could get in trouble. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's. So what kind of, what kind of trouble? Uh, it's like a fine and shit like that, but it's just like it's not worth it. It's not worth. It. Is it a big fine? Like let's say like it could be. It could be like up to five five k. You know. Okay. It's, All right. It's, it's, fuck it. It's so it's so messed up. Like when we um, last year we had like sent you your brother and a, a few other influencers like uh, a little care package. We went and had to deliver it because we couldn't send it through the post. Okay. So it's it's kind of some BS stuff like that that we have to I do. get it. Look, alcohol rules, I get yeah. it. So how about, you're in Quebec, right? Yeah. When do you get into Ontario? Uh, is there a plan to go into Ontario? There definitely is. It's um, the easiest way to do so is to open up another brewery, like a sister brewery in Ontario. We, it's because Ontario, really? yeah. So, oh God, I love, I think it's in the Charter of Rights and stuff like that. There's these old prohibition laws that prevent the actual import of beer. Uh, because of prohibition like, laws that were never like, updated. Yeah, something like that. So if I produce a beer in Quebec like we do now, I cannot ship it to uh, to Ontario without paying Ontario like a, a, a beer license, distributor license or whatever, and then paying import or like import So the fees. cheapest way is to open up. Yeah. But and, is it cheaper? Maybe cheaper per unit, but globally because you'll have rent and you'll have fucking... Yeah, like there, there's that thing, but then it's like... Um, because then if you're like, for instance, um, if not, let's say we had a brewery in Ontario and we had a brewery here in Quebec, you can then um, you can then import the beer that you produce in Ontario here to Quebec, no problem. Because it would be like, okay, well, you just couldn't meet the demand here to produce that beer, so you had to use your brewery in Ontario to do it. 
it's like okay. So, so it's a feasible thing. Yeah, it's feasible, but there's the that the, that upstart cost because brewery to get into the brewing industry, it's very expensive. You know, um, we were looking at roughly about one hundred fifty thousand just for the three brewing tanks, and then the one fermenter and the holy the carbonation shit. tank. That's also with the setup of like you know putting floor drains and 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 but the it, warehouse. But setup. you'd be looking at at least another one hundred fifty over there. That's easily for the size that we started off with, but you know, it's, it'd probably be more. Yeah. So you're looking at like a million dollars just for the tanks to set up. And then you need your floor drains, you need your ventilation. So maybe then, a little more growth. Yeah. And then exactly. Let's see how much you can yeah. beat up Quebec. But the, the good thing though, to imp, like there's this guy who it's a story that's happening and it's going up to the Supreme Court now. There's a guy in New Brunswick. Uh, which is a small province next to Quebec. Um, he drove over into Quebec, loaded up his car with Quebec beer because Quebec beer is cheap. Um, and then as he was driving, I think he got pulled over for speeding or something like that. And then as the cop was walking up, the guy, see, the cop sees his car is loaded with beer. <laughs> and like, th you know, how many times, I don't know if you've ever shopped at Costco in Point Claire, but you would see Ontario license plates and guys coming out with flat carts of beer that they were loading up because of how much cheaper it is okay. here than in Ontario. Okay, so that's a thing. Yeah. But if you get caught by the cops and there's a particular cop who's having a rough day or a bad day or whatever, he can issue he that- He can exercise the law. The law that you're that you're basically smuggling beer in yeah. through, right? So this guy is now fighting this good fight for breweries and for consumers because he's going to the Supreme Court and saying, I'm buying this product legally in Canada. Why am I? Why do I have to go through this bullshit fight of interprovincial laws about a product that I my Canadian dollars are still staying in Canada? So like, so hopefully, so he, it's it, it's he, moving. There's it's moving. It's it's now it's now up for review or whatever by the Supreme Court to see if it's actually leg, legitimate because part of the charter says that uh, within Canada there should be no interprovincial barriers. But then when alcohol is applied, there, there is. is. So it's like, well, which one's going to stand kind of thing. Okay. So this guy's fighting the good fight. Yeah, this guy wanted his cheap 2-4 of Molson Canadian. And he's going all the way with it. He's going all the way. All God right. bless this well, guy. Cheers to this cheers guy. Cheers What's to this his guy? name? I have no idea. I just, so this is the honey brown that you say is even sweeter. Yeah. Because I have a sweet tooth. So this has more like a malty um, residual sweetness, whereas the Karina had like that hop sweetness. It almost tastes like a like a, a honey loaf of bread or something like that. Yeah, it's very nice. That's it. So very nice, man. You know what's up. I love experimenting with different things. It's um it's like when I did the pumpkin eel. That I was on vacation that week that we packaged that Matthew and Vera, bless their souls, packaged the entire batch of pumpkin eel by themselves. And, you know, Vera advertised like a day after, hey, we got pumpkin ale and line up in front picking it up. Fuck, people like, love that pumpkin shit, huh? Yeah. In the fall? Oh, yeah. I love it too. But, Man, it makes me happy. But we're not we're not just bullshitting and saying pumpkin spice. We actually put pumpkin in there. I'm pureeing pumpkin. Look, you're Captain America of the beer industry. You don't fuck around. You don't talk the talk. So like... You walk the walk. I'm sitting there like buying pumpkins and carving them up roasting them and then pureeing them and throwing them in the beer as it's boiling and stuff like that. Which so. one? I love, I think I love the Christmas one. The winter one. Yeah. That one. Um, oh yeah. Winter beer now. 
So the winter beer, this, the, to this day, I've tried it making small scale batches to try to actually make a red ale, you know, like Rickard's Red. Yeah. I still can't nail it. It's like, it's very tricky because you need the right amount of darker malt to give that red color, but too much. And then it turns to brown or like a black beer. So it's like, there's a very fine line. and it, you To can get, get the it, color? Yeah, to get the color. And you can get it wrong. There's some malts, barley malt out there now that provides like that red color without having to use those. But I haven't tried that, tried that yet. That's too easy, huh? It's too easy, but <laughs> I don't know. So where do you want to use the red? For the winter? So originally the winter ale was supposed to be a red ale. Okay. And I feel like I had nailed the color to it. But then when we were drinking, we were tasting it. We're like, okay, it's where it is. But like now for a winter ale, we need to like jazz it up. Right. So, okay, let's put some cinnamon. Let's put some ginger in there. Okay. Some holiday spirit. Some holiday spirit. Okay. We're tasting it. It's like, oh shit, this tastes like a gingerbread cookie. This is amazing. Like color died. No, no. Color was still there. What happened? Then we're like, okay, let's now, because we added the ginger and the cinnamon, it, it became too dry. So we're like, well, let's add figs. So we add dried figs to the beer and it turned it brown. Ah. So that it ruined the red color. Fuck. So Vera was working on the on the description of the beer saying like. Formerly red. For, it's like, <laughs> she's like, it's a red ale. It's like, yeah, Vera, you have to like get rid of the red part because it's a brown beer now. Fuck. But that, that beer sells, like we release it just in time for- like, Different sales when it was labeled Christmas versus winter? Yeah, yeah. Because- Well, winter has a longer- That is the big thing when we release it. You should it. sell in Alaska, fuck, or Finland. <laughs> <laughs> winter all fucking year. <laughs> Antarctica. Much. Yeah. But it, it's, it's as, a, as a Christmas beer, you have a very finite time to sell it, right? Because then after Christmas, no one's really buying anything Christmas after but Christmas. But winter- but in winter, you know... You should call it the winter blues. <laughs> you know, okay. February depression. Yeah. You got to sit down with Vera because the candy is blue for the winter ale with like well, snowflakes. So she nailed it. Yeah, but you should call it the winter blues. So you need to convince her on that too. Uh, well, I want to <laughs> experiment with this because I think this one is so simple that... And it's made in Canada. has a great story. This one, I would be excited to talk to her about. Not that I have any... Well, I have branding expertise because from different industries and stuff. But I feel like you can yeah. really lean into the Canada thing here. Yeah. I love it. But that's it. So it was just like... And Vera's awesome to work with. Oh, yeah. She is. We uh, we have discussed business stuff. <laughs> We've talked about uh, the, the software to edit videos. Yeah. And she does a great job. And just to say, like, following Luke's brew is really worth it. Yeah. Because there's fun content on it. Yeah. There's fun, engaging stuff. It's three happy people in a yeah. nice place. Vera's, They're always working. She does a great job. Vera always seems to know the right time to ask me to pose for a picture. Because, you know, she's not going to ask me as I'm cleaning out the mash ton with all the sticky She knows malt. what's up. She, she knows. She, That's why if, if she's listening to this. Yeah. Oh, God. You know? She told she gave me like a list of things of what to say and what not to say. So oh, what was not what not to say? <laughs> I, I promised her I'm afraid of her, so I'm not going to say what not oh, okay. to say. Oh, didn't you say your mom had a message for me? Yes. So... A week ago or something like that. Anna Balukas, what's up? Anna Adrianakis. Oh, she she's, not, she's, not a, she's not a Balukas. Okay she, okay. she decided not to do that. Hey, she's it's, a first that's, mover. That's details that are not important. But um, my mom saw your post where you were doing your laundry. <laughs> first off, your choice of music for that, spot on. It was Metallica, Metallica, right? Metallica's perfect. I have yes. no complaint on that. 
But my mom turns to me like we're having supper. And she how says, could you mix colors and white? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck, you know how many moms reached out to me? <laughs> and she's she's sitting there like, tell him his, his shirts are going to turn gray. I was like, mom, he could buy a new shirt. It's like, it, yeah, I, no, I know, but that's <laughs> funny. Okay, that's but I was. That's always how I do my laundry, unless yeah. it's like a load of whites where I put bleach. Yeah, for the most part, Every, I throw I, everything in there. Because you're I've, saving the environment because it's one load rather than 18 different loads because this one needs a... Well, a, environment comes second. Number one is time. Yeah. It's like, what, I'm going to do fucking multiple loads and do this shit all night? No, I do it once. It comes out fucking clean. doesn't smell like shit. Yeah. And I'm good to go. Do I care if the white's a little gray? <laughs> Who gives a shit? But you see, you don't care. I have to deal with my mom complaining that you're not doing it right. That's the... Well, that's <laughs> the spice you, your mom gets from following me. You know, yeah. one week, it's is the guy off his fucking rocker? I'm definitely... Yeah. But think about it like this. If you are like the average, you will only accomplish what the average accomplishes. Yeah. If you want to be outside the norm, this is a, Nick Saltarelli from Midday Squares really vocalized this really well. If you want uh, different than average results, you must be different than average. Yeah. And so I really, really uh, took that to heart when I do my laundry. <laughs> Because <laughs> like, because like I remember in high school, right? There was everyone's in the, in their group niche in high school, right? And everyone's afraid of what others think of them, like what what uh, others outside of their group think of them, right? Like I was at WIC, or more so, what people within their niche think about them if they re interact with people outside their yeah. niche. Yeah. So like I, uh, as much as we were friends from elementary school up until now. I think we became even closer friends in the last few years because you know we're both adults. We we have a, a different outlook on life. We're not. There's less pressure on us from. You're the only. You're one of the only friends that takes baths with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Fuck. Not, not there's anything wrong with no, that. No, nothing wrong. I'm but not, that's not the kind of friends we no, are. No, no. But so like in high school, right? I I was into Magic the Gathering, so I had the group of guys like Farid and Kevin and Phil, and we were playing Magic and everything. And like part of me, at the time, was like, "Fuck, what does like Mish think of this?" You know, because like you were more into skateboarding for a while, skateboarding and guitar. Yeah, and our our thing was like when we would hang out the few times that we did was like, okay, you'd play your guitar and we talk about music and Metallica and like Guns and Roses and stuff like that, and um, so in high school, like, and this is to your viewers who are currently in high school yeah. or some form of school, free university, whatever experience, <laughs> don't give a shit on what others think of you. If you're into like magic tricks or skateboarding or BMX or swimming or whatever, don't give a shit of what these people have to think of you and don't think because they don't even care. They don't even care. But also once you're out, once you're an adult, it's cool to be a nerd on magic or it's yeah. cool to be a nerd on comic books or movies or whatever. If you nerd out on a specific, uh, on the fact that you're just going to buy and collect the guitars, not even play them. You just like guitars and you're going, yeah, it's a fucking cool thing. Be yourself, you know? And it's, I think, I think that's a problem that we have a society. Cause when you go on Instagram, okay, I'm on Instagram and, I rarely interact with things. Uh, sometimes you send me a message because of something I've posted or whatever. And I post like once, like I think every three months just to show people I'm still alive. Um, but I see like when I scroll the the general feed there and I see like 
people showing off their cars or this and that and whatever and, and their houses or whatever. It's just like, okay, some people look at that and I'm like, fuck, I want that. I want to be like that, you know, but that person might not actually have anything going for them in a sense that they're, they don't have a, a personality they don't have a, a, a hobby to grow them or... Uh, yeah, so their material to, possession is their identity. Exactly. They don't have something like a group to belong in. Like your Magic the Gathering group is is a great group to be in. Yeah. And, and, and you know what I mean? We were talking about like the success of a business is how niche it is. The success of a community is how niche it is. Exactly. So it's, it's the same metrics of success. If you want to have a community and you want to be in Magic the Gathering, fucking... Enjoy it, like yeah, it like like your like uh, the analogy of a business model. It doesn't matter what your business model is. If your business model is to sell one beer a year for a million dollars, if it works for you, it works. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, right. Just like in in any other business, if it if if you or forget that Magic the Gathering, like in terms of like profitability or money. Your metric in terms of friendship is like friendship, yeah. com camaraderie, fun. Yeah. If Magic the Gathering is giving you camaraderie, community, fun, uh, you know, hobby, yeah, that is profitable. That's a profitable social business model. Yeah, because so why fuck with that? Because also, like in high school, I was you know embarrassed to say that I like playing Magic the Gathering, even though at lunchtime we were sitting at the the lunch tables and everyone's pulling out their cards and playing against and, each other. And nobody nobody really cares. No, that's the thing. But like, well, because we are we have self, tri we have yeah. tribal wiring that things that says that oh we need to, and just like you're saying, you know, uh, you can't appeal to everyone, and you're it's like it's yeah. your life goal to like understand that that's okay. Most people have to pretend like they're actually pretending that they're cool yeah when in fact you are getting what they want but you think when you when we're young yeah. that we're not cool because we're not like the cool people when in fact the cool people are pretending to be cool and us and our small group of friends are actually cool yeah because like um what was it i found out recently that robin williams rest in peace Used to play Warhammer. Used to collect Warhammer. How old is Warhammer? It's like 30 years old or something like and that. And Robin Williams used to... Yeah. Wow. And then a few years ago... Because uh, you're a big Warhammer guy. Uh, I probably could have funded a second brewery with the amount of money I spent on Warhammer. Yeah, it's a it's a problem. It's a good problem, but... It's a good problem. It's, yeah. it's better than other problems. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to... You're not fucking pulling the lottery machine. <laughs> the, the fucking... Yeah, the, the one-armed bandit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. But... Uh, Robin Williams used to play Warhammer. Vin Diesel is a huge D&D nerd. Really? Yeah. Apparently, I think it was like he wrote the preface on one of the, the expansions to Dungeons & Dragons. Fuck. So is Rivers Cuomo of Weezer, yep. which makes more sense. But Vin Diesel, uh, Mr. Uh, Fast and Furious and uh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and, I, I heard something crazy, by the way. What? Speaking of Vin Diesel and Fast and Furious, there might be a spinoff of Fast and Furious or a, or like a and Jurassic Park. I believe they're both Paramount properties. Do they want to implode the universe with like the awesomeness? Absurd, the absurdity. Well, how and much awesome. more absurd can can Fast and Furious get? No, I think they reach peak absurdity. So now it's time to Yeah. The the only next step is dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. Right? Yeah. 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 So like Vin Diesel is a huge D&D &D nerd. 
And D&D Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. And I've played That's that That's about too. as much as I know about it. Not uh, trying to be cool, but no. I, I have my own thing. Yeah. And then um, Henry Cavill, okay? Do you know the story about what happened with him and... and uh, uh, Superman. Superman. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. He almost didn't get the part because he was raiding in World of Warcraft. He gets a call from Zack Snyder, ignores it. He's like, fuck this. I got to beat this boss. Screams it. He's like, man, I'll wait. I got to beat this boss. I got to get the loot or whatever. Finishes up, calls his agent, and his agent then called him or something like that and says, yo, Zack Snyder's been trying to reach you. What the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, whatever. Playing Warcraft, bro. Playing Warcraft. He calls him up. He's like, yeah, you got the part for... So, and um, he's such like he's such a big video game consumer, Henry Cavill, that that's how he also got the part for um, yeah, The, the Witcher. The Witcher. Man, dude, he looked like a fucking beast in oh that. Oh, my God. God damn it, man. It, that was a slow start show. But once it got yeah. kicking, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, there, there were parts in that show, though, that even at the beginning made me laugh. Um, spoiler alert. When he throws the chain at that, like, ghoul thing to, like, tie it up. Yeah. And it breaks loose, and his just reaction is like, Fuck, that that got me. That was just like, okay. He, he I, I like him. I like yeah. him. He's having a hard time with uh, keeping that Superman role, though. Yeah, uh, the numbers a- the numbers didn't add up. Like the movies didn't perform, and it, as running a business, you know. So they're you, talking about Michael B. Jordan as a as a Superman. Okay, I think Michael B. Jordan is a great actor. He like his role in Creed as uh, Apollo Creed's son. Uh, what's what's his first name in the movies? Do you remember? It's I have no idea. I, never, I didn't watch them. They're they're great movies because like the the premise is okay. He's following his dad's footsteps. Is of, Stallone in those movies yes. at all? Yeah, he is. Stallone is in both of them, and Stallone doesn't actually fight in them. He's just like like his mentor. Yeah, he's right? the Zordon. Yeah, he's the Obi Wan Kenobi. He's his Obi Wan. That's where I was yeah. going with. He's his Obi. Obi-Wan. I, I, sh- I, I love those kinds of movies and I do love yeah. Michael B. Jordan. So. so you should watch them because it's it's a very good like story arc of him trying to come out of his dad's shadow, right? His dad is Apollo Creed, like uh, in, uh, one of the greatest fighters ever. And, and Apollo Creed is actually in The Mandalorian. Really? Yeah. Still alive? He's Chubbs from uh, Happy Gilmore. Shit. He's yeah. He, not only is he still alive, he's directing episodes of The Mandalorian, and he's a he's a character in The Mandalorian. What the hell is his name? Is uh fuck. I can't remember his name at all because I'm fucking drunk. But <laughs> you know, yeah. Sideline. Okay. I used to get drunk five days a week in my twenties. Yeah. Because uh, I guess that's what you do in your twenties. Around 27, 28, I really started slowing down, learning about health, yeah. learning about this and that. And so I, I became healthier. I was like, no, I want a six pack. I want to be lean. I want to be mentally clear. Yeah. Uh, I understand the microbiome. I understand how we go. The only person that I get drunk with is Thomas Belukas. Yeah. And Thomas Belukas was the guy that I used to fuck up back in the day. So yeah. this is karma because yeah. you used to come to Hudson, the town that I used to live in. Yeah. I used to weekend warrior it <laughs> every weekend. And if you were coming in, if you were crossing that bridge yeah. off of Montreal into <laughs> Hudson, you, you, everyone stays the night yeah. at the house because you're getting so blasted. There's no way you're coming back. Yeah. Um, short, a uh, short add to this uh, segue. Segue was um, I used to get so I used to work at Toys R Us in Point Claire 
Oh yeah, the whole crew. The whole, so that was a fun crew. Yeah. So I would leave Friday night, go home, shower after my shift at Toys R Us, and haul ass to meet you guys in Hudson. Which by the time I got there, you were already all a bottle of Jack deep. Well, what time so, would you come around? Eight nine. Eight nine o'clock. Well, that's when we we got started. To be fair. Or like maybe I think the store closed at nine, so I'd be there like ten, ten thirty or whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Then. And I was hauling. That ass. hour was crucial. Yeah, I was hauling ass in a Honda, uh, in a Nissan Sentra too. So like oh, that thing didn't did go Sentra. fast. Sentra. Fuck, I remember that now. thing never went fast. Like it felt like uh, the Starship Enterprise holding together like past one forty, like bolts shaking or whatever. So I'd haul ass to meet with you guys, and you're already a ball of Jack deep. So I would went, this be at the original house in my parents' house or the Silver Valley Lodge. Uh, the original house. Silver Valley, by the time, like, we were doing this heavy partying, like, I think you guys were still renting it out to the neighbors that kept complaining about noise or whatever. Uh, or was it ever rented out? I don't know. I, no, no. Wait, where, was, where, where were we? It, like, your parents' house, not Silver Valley. Okay, yeah. The, yeah, when yeah. we were at the parents' house, it was loud. And my dad yeah. would come in with a scotch. And yeah. My, it's like my parents didn't give a shit that every Friday night we had 30 people over. Because I think your parents <laughs> were just happy that you guys... Did it in front of them. Yeah. Like my parents, you know, at 16, I would have a beer or two in front of them. As long as I did it in front of them kind of thing. Like you could keep an eye on me, you know, it wasn't like a. Yeah. And my parents were kind of involved. Like my friends would go hang out with them. Some yeah. people would go talk to my mom. My dad would be in there having drinks. Exactly. I think your dad and your mom just like the social aspect of talking to people. Yeah. We, I mean, brought, like, we brought tons of people all yeah. the time. So. I would come and haul ass like to meet up with you guys, try to play catch up, which you can't do with- It's a lose-lose. Yeah, it was always a lose-lose. But then I would stay the night because now- Well, you have to. Even even you piss ass drunk, you're like, Thomas, you're sleeping over, no fucking driving home or whatever. Yeah, like, drinking and driving was never an option. Yeah, that's it. So it was always like- It would always be a, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Cabs. Well, we knew the cab guys. Yeah. We paid them well. Yeah. So- and then I would wake up in the morning, pop two Tylenol, chug a thing of Gatorade, and go to work, work my shift at Toys R Us, and then come back for the Saturday night fiasco. Oh, fuck. And then I think I did that for like two or three months, and then I was just like, I need a time off. Like, I, it was... Those are fun times, though. Yeah. Innocent times. But that's why university was so much fun. Yeah. Was, and university, not as in the schooling, but as in the era. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you have, like, you have your only responsibility is whatever part-time job you had. In our case, like our part-time jobs to show up and not be fucked up and do your job right. Yeah. At least pass your classes in school to make it worthwhile for the tuition that you have to pay to get to. Yeah, to exactly. You know, at least pass. It's the same as me. It's like I'd show up to work uh, sober enough to get what I needed done. Yeah. Uh, get straight B's, which was pretty good. Yeah. Because I was, I was, I was, I was, once I figured out how it worked, <laughs> it's like, okay, these 5% assignments that take two hours every Sunday that, yeah. that count for 5% of the whole grade, I just won't do them. Yeah. Because fuck it, I'll, I'll just do better on the final. Yeah. <laughs> Which in hindsight, <laughs> if I practiced those things, I'd be better, but yeah. fuck it, I still passed. That's it. I and got my degree and yeah. I was the drunkest I've ever been in my whole life. Ugh, I have man. a degree in commerce <laughs> and I was fucked the whole time. Look, I studied history. I got a degree in history and I own a brewery. Like, who the fuck would have thought that, right? Like, hey, if you look at history, the Middle Ages, I think for 300 years in England, people were drunk. Yeah. Kids were drinking beer. Oh, of course. It was safer to drink than water. Yeah. So. I like it. I like it a lot. So that was the thing. And then, like, university was so much fun. And then, like, 
at one point, like the howler and I, <laughs> he called, he like texted me like, yo, where are you? And like, I'm walking between classes. Like meet me at Reggie's. Fucking go to Reggie's, drop $3.25 for a pint of beer with him, slam it back, go to class. Now I'm buzzing because I haven't eaten. I'm drunk. The Howler, Whatever. what a legend. Does he know about Luke's brew? I don't know. I haven't seen the dude since... Uh, you should reach out to him and just bring him like two cases. I don't know. The dude's got a kid now. Is he responsible? Like, he seems like he's responsible. <laughs> what do you think... The Howler's an old world man. He's like a Donald Draper kind of guy. Okay. The Howler is... Very responsible. He is a great provider. He's a wonderful uh, guy who works and, and keeps up his commitments. But the Howler is the Howler and will always yeah. be the Howler. So I think you should definitely deliver him because he'll, because he, I think from what I know, he still works right by the airport at Inatech Innovation. Inatech Innovation? Holy shit. It's, it's right around the corner from you. I'm going to go knock on the I'll window connect there. those dots. I'll <laughs> connect those dots. But yeah, it's just like the whole crew and everything. And I, my favorite story was I had just finished my exams and it was like a brutal where I had like three exams in the span of two days kind of thing. And, and I couldn't get exempt because there was actually a 24 hour time period between the three exams more or less. So I call you up and like, dude, I I'm burnt out. I've just finished my last exam for the semester. I'm coming to Hudson. You're like, gotcha. <laughs> it was just me, you, and Pat, Desi. Oh, yo, he's my neighbor. I just moved into a new place. He's my neighbor. Oh fuck! Here we go again. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> the times are different, but they're not. Yeah. So it was just funny because like we get to the chat, which for your, I your might make the chateau. A place in the comic book universe that is a that is perhaps a place of portal or a place of intergalactic like. So it's like the webway almost like yeah, it's like yeah. the, the the. I might want to talk to you about developing this storyline because you have such a like a rich knowledge of comics. I might need to consult with you. Let's do it. Sick. Let's do it. So, so it was me, you, and Desi. Yeah. So we go to Desi's house. We have a drink each. In his basement. Just, in his at basement. his parents' house. Like yeah. Way back in the yeah. day. Yeah. So it, it was tame like this because it's only three guys. We're, we're going to get fucked up at the bar. So we have one or two drinks, call a cab and go. As soon as we get to the chat, it was like something magical that you two had like suddenly like crossed the threshold going up the stairs where it's like now you're in another fucking dimension or whatever. You both walk in to the chat and split like the Red Sea. And I lost you guys for the rest of the night. You didn't see either of us? No. What? They, they, you guys kind of left me. Like, there was other guys that, from the crew that were there that I was drinking with or whatever. But it was just, like, the both of you for the th four hours that we were there split, like, the Red Sea. And then at, the at like, 3 o'clock when lights, uh, last call and whatever, you text me, like, yo, we're waiting outside for a cab. Come. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was just so random. Like, you wa both walk in and... Boom, and you what? lost us in, like, a time portal. Yeah. Like, we went to a different place. Yeah, and... and but when it was time to go, we took yeah. care of our own. Pat, Pat is a tall dude. Like, he's taller than me. So it's, he's pretty he's easy to... He's big and jacked. Yeah. At the top. Yeah. Because, like... He still is the same. Yeah. But back then, everyone was, like, all about, you know, uh, working out at the gym, drinking, and, and that's it, pretty much. So Desi is a tall dude. Pretty easy to spot in a crowd, right? And like, <laughs> and you I couldn't find him? I couldn't find the fucker. Like, he, he disappeared. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Was it a packed night? It was. Oh, but I fucking love Friday night for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was always a Friday night. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, we came as a crew or 
you go one way, he goes the other, like fucking bats out of hell kind of thing. And you guys just show up like three hours later at the night, like, oh, we're fucking leaving. And we're like, all right. That makes me think of something. Remember the dull winning era? Oh, I still have that shirt. No, that's I don't. I still have that Those shirt. Those are great shirts, huh? That was... Well, look, I've, <laughs> I've been developing with my brother in the entertainment company a project for a TV show. And uh, you know who we're reaching out to on Monday? I don't even know. I shouldn't even say it, but I'm saying it. Charlie Sheen. Yes, sir. There is a... Yes. We might... The Monaris yes. brothers <laughs> might be the guys who revitalize Charlie Sheen. That's all I'm going to say. I'm excited. Okay, so... Our great partner, John, who is uh, our agent and, uh, like, production partner, is helping us pitch projects that we're developing. Okay. And he found an angle that perhaps would work with a certain director and Charlie Sheen. So, I have to admit, I, I'm very fortunate because you kind of dropped me a little more snippets about certain things than you do on online to your fo other followers sure, yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I have like a little more. This is the one thing I don't want you to tell me anything until like if it goes through and there's an episode, I, I like I want it to be completely secret. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like super excited about this now. Whether it happens or not. <laughs> yeah. Like, Look, it's so crazy it might work. Yeah. Because you know what you're saying? Like Quebec, uh, Canada, all that, like choosing your niche, the port. Yeah. Charlie Sheen is currently untouchable by Hollywood. Like, not untouchable. He's unwanted. Unwanted. Yeah. Unless he shows some track record and then people like him again. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., mm. before Iron Man, as in my brother's words, was a disgrace. Yeah. The, Until Iron Man. So yeah. we and, are, because we are, we are, we love Nick Cage. Yeah. We're working on stuff that maybe, you know, and then... <laughs> Charlie Sheen would yeah. be just, it's like, we just want to revitalize yeah. careers of, of old heroes of ours. But that's the thing. Like, look, Robert Downey Jr., you know, I think Marvel gambled with him to play Tony Stark. I think he took that opportunity to redeem himself and show Hollywood that he could be serious. Yeah. And now, you know, if in 10 years from now, they decide to reboot Iron Man with another actor, I'm sure that actor is going to do well because marvel has money to make sure that they that they find they know the right what they're placement. doing man they're amazing kevin but, feige is unbelievable but to me now because i grew up with it for 10 plus years tony stark is iron man it's iron man but it is robert downey jr you know yeah. like he he's more robert downey jr than iron man yeah but it's it's like so i think that was one of the best redemption arcs in hollywood it's a beautiful the, story yeah and it worked out for the benefit of himself, Robert Downey Jr., and for the fans of Marvel, right? Because that started, like, everything, I think, was more or less banking on Iron Man doing well in theaters. And then it did well, so they're like, okay, let's start working on the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, and let's, let's build this up. And, and the first one was just a, a, a trial run. Yeah. And so that's he, why... He only made, I think, like, $2 million Yeah, and in the, the last one. movie, he made, like, 80 Yeah. But whatever it is... It's if you have the four, what I noticed that Hollywood is no different than a bank. You have to show track record. Yeah. And the the and Elon is is a pioneer. Sees the future before the future happens. The banks don't see the future before the future happens. See it now. They see it now. He sees it now. 
And they see it. He sees there. Yeah. They see now. When you want to, if you want to make a mark in the world, you have to bank on something that you believe will happen. Yeah. And uh, a guy like Charlie Sheen is loved, beloved. He's beloved, but currently his stock is low yeah. because of XYZ. And a standard production company or entertainment company will not invest in him until he's showing that he has the stuff. Yeah. The way that I operate, whether it's selling the business or getting into music or investing in companies, because that's what my brother and I do. We invest in companies that before they grow. Yeah. And we have the foresight, so why not just apply that? Like, I see that Charlie Sheen is a very lovable guy. People love him. Yeah. But there's no track record yet. Yeah. Same when, what, two years ago when we developed the Nick Cage idea, Nick Cage has been blowing up ever since. Like, he's all over the place yeah. now. So. But it takes that initial person with the balls, and I would love Charlie to be uh, to be back on top. Because he's a legend. He's a young... Charlie, you heard it here. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> well, odds are within a month, I'll, I'll have a meeting with him. If, if nothing comes of it for this project, there is potential in the future for another project with him in mind, right? Like, well, because I believe that he's, he's great, that he is, uh, he's, he's lived enough where he's experienced and gone the ups and downs where he knows how to conduct himself accordingly. Yeah. And uh, just like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. They have an excess of talent and charisma that is so insane that they never really had to learn the rules of life because they were just so amazing. Yeah. But then they they hit their their downs, they learn, and then when they come back, they come back better than ever. Yeah. So that's that's how I see it. I I'm excited to see what comes of it. Yeah, and, and it's like we never know. We yeah. never know. But that's the beautiful thing about venturing into new worlds. Because like um, you're one of the last two podcasts that you did with Trin, you got you mentioned um, uh, Fred Durst from Limbiscuit. Yeah, thanks for listening, by the way, dude. It it makes brewing so much easier listening to your podcast. Oh, awesome! Because like there's a lot of times when I'm brewing, I'm like, fuck, I got to clean this tank. It's like. It's like janitorial work most of the time kind of yeah. thing. So at least listening to, you know, some sort of philosophical ideas or like just business ideas or whatever, it, it it helps make time pass. And it also makes me think. Cool. You know? And I just remember one time I was talking to you, I was like, yo, man, I started listening again to Chocolate Starfish, the whole album. And you're like, fuck, I just met Fred Durst like two weeks ago here. And then you showed me a text, me like a text message thread with him. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Fred Durst, like, I listened to this guy in high school. I used to wear the extra baggy pants. And I used the to backwards skate, red hat. The backwards red hat. I used to try to skateboard and, like, listen to Nookie and My Generation or whatever. I'm like, fuck, Mish met Fred Durst. And then you're like, the dude's super mellow. He's not, like, what he is in the music videos or whatever. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is super Yeah, weird. how crazy. Like, reality is creating itself. And yeah. all he had to do was... Let go of the thing that you thought you needed, and then you start going into a world where there's like unlimited possibilities. Yeah, and that's it. It's for him, his venue was uh, Limp Biscuit. He got some fame and notoriety for good or bad, whatever the case is. But there's no such thing as bad publicity, and he did amazing. Yeah, he was such a legendary frontman and such a legendary marketer. But they, he was able to. He was fucking the, the biggest new metal band. In, they were huge. They they took the mantle from. They still do stadium. They still do stadiums and like amphitheaters and like crazy festivals yeah. all over the world but that's it they're an amazing band 
dude, I still listen to them and like, okay, maybe back then at the time they were like a certain style or whatever, but like I still listen to them. They're, they're eclectic, you know, like when I heard, I heard Nookie the other day on the radio or on my, like it came up on Spotify. I'm like, holy shit. Like not the songwriting, the energy, the production, the guitar playing. Yeah. This is, this fucking bangs. It bangs like a, like a system of a down song bangs, oh, except without the, the political stuff. Yeah. Dude, I started listening to System of a Down again because my brother, like, when we have a shitty canning day, because everything goes wrong on canning day. Like, okay. it's, it's just the way it is. Canning is the worst aspect of brewing. From start to finish, canning day is the one When day can you outsource that? I don't think there is a way to outsource it because you still have to be present on canning days to make sure it's going right. It's okay. just, canning day is the worst. Like, it's, it's the industry. How often of, do you have to do that? We're at least doing it once a week. Okay. And it's always a shit storm. <sighs> It's like, it's the one day I wish I didn't exist. Okay. <laughs> and you listen to Limp Bizkit or what? And sometimes we put on, well, because Vera's there with us, she always complains that whenever we play Metallica, it's too angry, aggressive. Okay. It's like, wait till you listen to some of the other stuff I, I, I listen to. But um, one time she wasn't there, so my brother puts on System of a Down. And I think for a period I had kind of not listened to them. I think I had outgrown them. But then we started listening to him with, I started, I... We listened to them again, but with my brother there, it was like, fuck, I got back into it. It was amazing. It was like, it reminded me of the high school days too. And like, remember, uh, like what made me rem uh, remember was on Tuesdays on much music, there was always a new music video for a band or an artist that would come out. And like every time there was a new system of down one, it would come out. And then the next day, everyone who was a system of a down fan would be like, yo, did you just check out the music video? Yeah, Aerials so was insane. Man. Yeah. So that's it. But it's just like, but you see, like not to cut you off, which I did, but <laughs> system of a down, you either love it or you hate it. Mm. And it's definitely not for everyone. Yeah. Limb biscuit, not for everyone. Yeah. But were they successful? Of course. Because they were not for everyone. So you see the correlation yeah. of success and not being for everyone. Yeah. The more you are for everyone, the less successful you'll be. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And it's it was something that I didn't convey properly before was that like, uh, as an artist, you can make it in any medium that you're, that you're good at, right? If, if you're good at literature, you know, you're going to make Painting, it. writing, this and that. Yeah. But you also have to have the business foresight and the entrepreneurial yeah. quality like that Fred Durst had, yeah. that Madonna had, that yeah. P. Diddy had, Fuck, that Madonna Serge Tankian had. Madonna now, I think, probably makes more money just from slapping her name on a on a fashion line or For anything sure. than any music she has ever done. Yeah, because the music was just the vessel to build her. Exactly. It was like it was like putting out her charisma. Exactly. And as much as I Kanye West, I'm gonna use them as an example because you've mentioned them in the past. Legendary. The guy, his first few albums, I'm not a huge rap guy, okay? Like not a huge rap guy, but his first few albums are fantastic. I still listen to the songs from them from time to time. I think he was um, ahead of his time for for what he was doing rap-wise and stuff like that. What he does on camera and certain things like, you know, talking to Donald Trump and having his rant about Donald Trump being the best or whatever, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, you lost me there, Kanye, but I could but see... An but another iPhone jack example. Yeah, but... He's done other things that, like, he partnered with Adidas to make Yeezys. I personally think the shoes look weird. Mediocre, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, whatever. 
But the fact that there's people who are waiting in line for days to get a chance to buy a pair that might not even fit their feet. Like they're buying them- To resell to, them. To resell them or just to collect them. Yeah. So they're willing to buy a pair of shoes that they can never wear because they're a size 10 and they're buying a size it's like eight. they're buying gold or a cryptocurrency yeah. or something. And all Kanye did was come up with one pair many years ago with Adidas. And now it's to the point where it rivals he's Jordans. Now, he's now a billionaire. Yeah, it rivals Jordans. You know, that's genius. But he, but he built his name yeah. for 10, 15 years at least. Yep. And build up he built up a a a brand so that when he released limited models, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, there was a documentary about hip hop, like the, the start of hip hop and stuff like that, that was on HBO a few years ago. And I remember one episode where they were talking to the guys from run DMC. So this is the mid eighties Cool. run DMC comes out. And the thing about run DMC was they wore those, uh, yeah. white and black Adidas. Yeah. Right. And one of the guys on the crew was wearing them without laces and the tongue fully out the other guy fully tied or whatever. And they decided, you know what? Let's let's try to market this and partner with Adidas. So they invited Adidas execs to one of their concerts, and then they told everyone in the crowd to hold up their Adidas because they have the song "My, My Adidas. Adidas." Yeah. So they everyone in the crowd holds it up, their Adidas. They meet with these execs after the show and say, "Okay, let's partner," because now these execs see a cr stadium influence. of thirty thousand, forty thousand people all so, wearing Adidas. So it's a business model. Of so, that's what it is. Like, I think Wu-Tang Clan is worth a billion dollars because of just their outside of Their brand, music. their licensing, exactly. their t-shirts. That... Metallica. Metallica. I love these guys. Me too. In every way. They, Lars is insane. So, um, we could spend hours talking about each song, dissecting each song that they've got done. I even, I, I'm going to say something controversial. I think... Um, Saint Anger is a good album. I love it. It's just there's certain things. The I think they did a good thing trying that album. Um, you can't grow as an artist without experimenting. But it's another things. example of pulling that ox. Exactly, up. exactly. So that being said, Metallica was supposed to be that never that that garage band. They were like they they were said to be like never to get outside of like the small, you know, club yeah. venues or whatever. They are the biggest heavy metal band in the world. In the world. Yep. They sell out stadiums. They've done stuff that has pissed off a lot of their fans or whatever. But you know what? They're still selling they albums. They keep going, they keep still selling, they keep growing. I was at Heavy Montreal when they came a few uh, uh back in 2014, okay? 70,000 people at Parc Jean Drapeau to see Metallica play. Okay, it was like insane. Like the crowd was like 35,000 people in front of me, 35,000. Oh, I love that. that inspires me, man. And there was the, and there was all creeds of people at this heavy metal concert to see them. There were I saw guys, I was just wearing a white t-shirt and jean shorts, you know, and my Jordans. That's it. There were guys wearing polo shirts and like khakis. There were the the typical metal heads with the studded leather and whatever. And all together, we were together enjoying this brand, this Metallica, you know, like the band. This feeling, this energy. Exactly. Those guys. Exactly. And that's what I hope to see you in the future. That's that, But that's the but, idea. It's the long game. Yeah. And like, I don't even want to be in the crowd. I want to be on the side. Oh, you will. 
I want to be on the side watching you interact with the crowd. You know, like the backstage view of you interacting with the crowd. Because I think that's a big thing about music is the interaction with the crowd. Like that same concert that Metallica was there, Anthrax played. Their frontman was like amazing. The guy had so much energy interacting with the crowd. Dropkick Murphys. That's yeah. I think that's the big thing about music is interacting with the crowd and building the brand that way. You know, like, yeah. um, I went to go see Justin Timberlake. The guy is phenomenal. I think by far one of the best concerts I have ever seen. Did he do anything special? No. But from time to time, he was interacting with the crowd. He was enthusiastic. And, and he just, just had it. You know, yeah. Hetfield has it. Yeah. Timberlake has it. All these guys have it. So that's how you also build the brand. Well, yeah, it's, it's 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 just putting out your yeah. your your charisma and your your vibration yeah. constantly, just constantly putting Cause out. Because that, that's a problem I have with the brewery is that I don't like being in front of the camera. So when Vera tries to catch me on doing things, yeah, I sometimes I purposely fuck up things because I don't want to be. Oh, in come front of the on, camera. man! But my brother, I don't know if he likes it or not, but he has. It seems like he has more of a natural energy with the camera, so that's why he's always usually. Yeah, like, so why not? He's still know. a Belucas. Yeah, I, like. I, Everyone has their role. I don't know. I I like to just be like the the troll. James is the front man, but yeah, Lars is the brains of the operation. But Lars is is the voice, like yeah. really. Yeah. All right. So what are we gonna do here? Are we gonna keep going? Because I got a piss so bad again. <laughs> I think maybe we'll end it. Okay. If, well, if, if you need a piss like that a third time in yeah, this yeah. podcast. All right. So, so what do we got right now? We got Luke's Brew. We got Thomas Belucas. Where can they find you? We're gonna put all the links in the description so they can find us uh, in. You know what? I think it'd be easier to to check our website to see where we're at. So Well, I'll just put the links in the description. Okay. You'll find it. Luke's Brew. Yeah. It's or great. You can visit us at the brewery from Monday to Saturday. Um actually Wednesday to Saturday. Uh at seven 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 Avenue Lajoie in Dorval. Perfect. Quebec. Uh we're like a stone's throw from the airport. Stone's throw. Yeah, and yeah. this is if you're in Montreal. Yeah. Uh and then you can find a, a beer usually around Quebec as well. Amazing. So yeah. Thomas Belucas, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for thank having me. Thank you for me. being a great guest. Thank you thank for bringing you. the beer. Thank you for everything. My pleasure. And I can't wait to go piss now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll be right back. But uh, fellow time travelers, you know, a like, a subscribe, a follow, a share goes a long way because we want to get this out to even more trillions of Galactic Federation members. Thank you all for hanging out. Uh, the new album, the best album of the century is coming out next week. Next week? No, no, no. I mean this summer. I'm just fucking around. Okay. Yeah, it's coming out. To, <laughs> I would be working on it more right now. But it's coming out uh, this summer, summer 2021, best summer ever. And uh, I'll see you all soon, fellow time travelers. Thanks for hanging out. Keep it real.